Hey, it's Ricky Carmichael, and you're watching the Moto X Pod Show. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X Pod Show. What's up, guys? We're back with the Vital MX Moto X Pod Show presented by Boyson and Race Tech. We're back. I'm Darkside, your host. This week, we have a uh, Red Bull factory KTM rider, Cooper Webb, coming on. Red Bull's Honda HRC's team manager, Lars Lindstrom, and Psychic Motorsports privateer effort, Josh Cartwright, all going to be on. But before we get to this episode 262, I want to introduce our guests or our co-hosts, excuse me, uh, my producer, the one guy that shows up every week, Scotty. What's up, Scotty? That's good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, also, in studio, not here very often, but back in studio, TJ Smith. What's going on, TJ? What's going on, everybody? I don't think... Yeah, I guess it's working now. Okay. What? I couldn't hear him in my headset. I can't hear myself. Stop acting like an idiot. <laughs> You're the idiot. Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. You know who's the idiot? You. Me. Because I, yes. did not, I did not unmute either one of you. So, T- Scotty, how's it feel to be back in studio? It's good. I'm just drinking my Red Bull and <laughs> getting ready for the nice. Red Bull guys. <laughs> TJ, you're back. I am back. <laughs> hey, what a great podcast. We knew there was going to be he an was issue, trying but to... hey, we're, we're good. We still have one more. You're, you're unmuted. Everything's good to go. Special guest, my friend. <laughs> Ultimately, I've decided on the sexton ship, and I am the Capitan. Is that my cue to talk? All the way from the UK, Lewis Phillips. What's up, Lewis? Hello. Hello. This is, this is going very well so far. Um, <laughs> exactly. I've spent as... a long time building up my career, my repertoire, my um, reputation, and I'm worried that in the last two minutes... You just killed it. Well, it's fine. thankfully, you're all the way in the UK, so this was not your fault. You're blaming oh, Scotty. Do I sound better this week? You, f- you sound awesome. I think we have okay. some of the sound issue figured out. Unfortunately, no video for Lewis. So those that watch just to see his beautiful face, sorry, guys. You'll have to figure something else out. But this is the Boyson Intake Open Discussion. I want to thank Boyson and... TJ, did you know that you can get the same great products? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is going so sideways. We're excited to spotlight Boyson's Factory Racing's Rider Support Program, something you need to get involved with, a comprehensive support system for motocross and off-road riders. The pro- program offers participants exclusive access to Boyson's products, yearly discounts, which you love, and the potential to become one of their new product development test riders. Join the community of Boyson Factory Flyers. Visit boyson.com to apply, apply now. The reason I didn't mention that to Scotty is he doesn't have a bike to ride, yeah. so he doesn't need to apply. But I will say, though, Boyson may be one of those companies that's done more non-factory, what do you call it, like innovations mm-hmm. they, that they sell to the random, the most random people with they, like their water pumps, their clutch covers, the reed valves, all that stuff that they like kind of did on their own. It's kind of cool. It's a really cool company. Very, very cool company. One of our presenting sponsors. 
We're going to get into the show, Scotty. Lots of uh, Daytona talk to get into. Let's start with our 450 class. Eli wins his seventh Daytona. I believe that's five in a row. It's all great. But do you think, and I'm going to get to Lewis in a second, do you think that if Cooper doesn't hit false neutral, that he wins that race? I, no, I don't think so. Well, that I, was pretty soft and, or quick. And what, re- refresh my memory, it was about what, there was probably about eh, seven minutes left. Yeah, somewhere so, in that neighborhood. Yeah, I, I don't, I think, I think Tomac was going to get him. Tomac gets him no matter what. Lewis, what are your feelings on that? Uh, Web wins. Thank you. No doubt. TJ? I would. Do, does <laughs> Cooper keep the lead from Eli? Well, from what I've been told. <laughs> that's where we get to play this. Stop acting like an idiot. You're the idiot. Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Had I known that my idiot co-host <laughs> hasn't had time to watch the race, I'd have told you to stay your ass at home. Hey, I, can't, I fixed things. I was here. I actually made the show the better. Camera. You did yeah. help with the camera. So. No, but it sounds like from, like, I've listened to all the reviews. I watched the... Um, the what do you call it the interviews afterwards because i was post race yeah. post race i was able to watch that and um man, from every from at least i can give the point of view from people who didn't get a chance to watch it and they were really close it sounds like i mean if, <laughs> if they were matching lap by lap for the lap times right it's so, pretty close so i'm how, gonna go to lewis just shut up for me. how far <laughs> i have a question i have a question how was was he being caught at all, or was at it- times he had a gap and Eli caught him? Then he kind of gapped him back because they were making mistakes. They were changing lines. Uh, the the whoops changed from jumpers or from skimmers to jumpers. Things yeah. were changing that were changing up. So um, they look at history. Webb would have held on to it. I think if you look at history, Eli's won four. No, in a row sorry, if Webb's up there, if if Webb is up okay. there and holding it, I just don't see him getting chased down. Before you get to Lewis, I'll say this: If you, I don't think if he had held on to about the three minute mark, I don't think he would have gotten him at that point. But I think, I mean, that mistake, that mistake happened because that was the most Tomac was pressuring Webb when that mistake happened. Uh, I don't think. Okay, Lewis, tell me he's wrong. Okay. Um, so basically, the gap was never higher than two point two the whole race. So there was no real catching oh. or anything because yeah. they were basically so close that there was no room to like catch or lose time. Um, I think it was lap seven when Webb hit the false neutral. I think there were 17 laps in the race. So that would have been just before halfway-ish. Um, so still a long way to go. But no, I think because the gap was never higher than 2.2 when Webb was in front or when Tomac was in front, I think that that shows that they were evenly matched. The track was hard to pass on. Um, it was a good track, but hard to pass on. They were clearly evenly matched. So I think that Webb would have held on unless he'd made a mistake. Similar... Had Tomac made a mistake, that would have opened the door for Webb to win because he was right there all along. It was literally a game of attrition, and Webb was the one who faltered. Yeah, I I like the different line choices too, Lewis, especially that switchback section. It was really cool to see the different options where Coop was going inside, Eli was jumping up on top, going outside, but then cr- cutting back across the, the rut. And there's just sometimes one would be better than the other. And then after that was the left-hander where I think I think Eli maybe was tripling over and Coop was rolling, doubling. But they, they switched up all night long with different guys. But it was pretty intense. I mean, it was an intense Daytona race, in my opinion. Lewis. Was that for me? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Yes. Sorry, I didn't expect to be back so soon. Cool. <laughs> really enjoying your conversation with your friend, aren't you? Yes, yeah, I am. It was a, I feel like it was kind of a similar... I feel like we always get good action at Daytona. We never get... We never get good action in the sense of multiple passes and everything, but we always get or some sort of close racing. Um, 
I think that's just the nature of the track, isn't it? We're never going to have the sort of bar banging and multiple lead changes that we get um, in a traditional Supercross. But no, um, to your point, it was a it was a very good Daytona, and I think it was a very good Daytona. Would I want a second Daytona in the season? No, but I, I agree. Once it's fine. Like even by the time we get to Atlanta Motor Speedway. At that point, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't really want another speedway. <laughs> like, I'm good. Like, I've, I've seen Daytona. That's still in my memory. Um, but Daytona still has its place. Maybe just. Yeah, barely. Barely. I think just with the hit. Go ahead, Scott. TJ. But no, no, I was going to wait to say when you're done. But I was going to say is this year is just about who doesn't make the mistakes. We have had years in the past where we had one rider or two riders that were just battling it out. And they were just having, like, who's faster but I think this year is more who doesn't make a mistake. Almost every win that wasn't just Tomac running away or whatever was a so, so-and-so makes a mistake, so-and-so passes. There's been you lots know. of mistakes this year. Those three guys are on their the limit. That's going to be the the how you sum up the whole year is whoever the champion is is the one that made the least mistakes. I know yeah. it sounds dumb to say it that way, but well. I mean, you look at how many people were in the lead – or out of the three, how many times they were in the lead and messed up? Scotty, what'd you think of Eli's attempt? He, he made the pass coming mm-hmm. through the sand, made a mistake, then kind of jumped to the end to the right into Cooper's line. I thought mm-hmm. that was a really strange uh, choice by him because he did say he kind of he went for the inside, so it wasn't a mistake. He kind of had to feel like he had to know Cooper was there coming he- fast. I was very surprised by that decision. Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell watching it, especially from TV and even from where your whatever your position was. But when you're on the track, those like you can't just get out of those ruts and those lines. You're kind of committed to those. But he so, jumped to the right. He I mean, jumped into the line that Cooper was already there. Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I've just it was a wild ride. I'll tell you that. Okay, Lewis, <laughs> that was a. I thought that was a terrible move by Eli. What terrible move? Sorry. <laughs> when he you jumped into Cooper, second. man. Ah oh, no. Okay, but this goes back to the point. There wasn't many places to pass out there. That wasn't. There weren't many options, and they had to wait for a mistake. Webb made a slight mistake, I guess. Like the door was open for Eli, and obviously a sense of des- desperation. He went for it um, because he knew that he was going to have to wait for a mistake. And as history has shown us, maybe Webb wasn't going to make another one. Hence, why he forced the issue. That's a nature of the Daytona beast. If that was a normal Supercross, maybe he could have bought his time a little more and waited. But um, I think there was a sense of desperation there because there isn't so much, there aren't so many options out there at Daytona. Good point. So, you, so as far as like you said, you d- don't like Daytona, or you only want one. But we won't see that tightness and all that the, the hard to pass track when we get to Atlanta. Do we I know? just don't. I, Atlanta doesn't do it for me. Like mm. Daytona has a special vibe about it because of the history. The dirt's a little different. Atlanta is just kind of like, like a middle ground between Supercross and Daytona. But if we're going to have a race at a speedway, I want it to, I don't want it to be middle ground. I want it to be all the way on the other end. Yeah. As something completely unique. I don't want a, like Atlanta to me kind of feels like not, it's a bad way of putting it. And I don't mean it this way, but it kind of feels just like a half ass Supercross. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get something special this year. I'm going to keep my hopes up. I'm going to stay positive that Atlanta is going to be something special, even though I won't be there. Are you going to Atlanta friend? Uh, I don't know. Well, it depends on if our, our other guy, if Michael Lindsay wants to send me, I would love to go. I'd like to hang out with you in Atlanta. That'd be, you want to go to, down, there, it will be, if you're there, it will be special indeed. You want to go downtown ATL <laughs> and hit the, the night spots? 
No, not really. Okay, perfect. <laughs> let's let's talk about Chase Sexton, fastest qualifier again. Your guy, mm-hmm. Chase Sexton. Mm-hmm. He was making a run mm-hmm. at the guys. Couple mistakes. Yep. Uh, don't know about that. Uh, okay, don't know about the mistakes. Um, he came out from under the bridge, made the right, messed up the rhythm, dressed right into Barsha. Well, let's just talk about his day as a whole, Lewis. How do you feel about Chase's day? Uh, day amazing because the qualifying was great. Nighttime, look in reality, Chase was probably the first best rider on the night, and he finished third. So in that respect, I class it as a good damage limitation day, um, and he didn't throw away any unnecessary points. So I don't see it being this disaster that some people want to call it. Um, and if you look before he made the mistake with Barsha, or both mis- both mistakes with Barsha, kind of. Um, <laughs> Before that point, he was right there. He wasn't out of the conversation. I think I've said this before this week. Everyone makes out that, like, before Chase made his initial mistake, he was out of the picture. He was very much still... In, okay, he wasn't in the fight because he wasn't, like, side-by-side side with the guys, but he was very much a contender for the win. I feel like the fact that he got dropped has been kind of trud out multiple times, and I feel like that's wrong, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't and think... I'll, you know me. I'll call it as I see it. Yeah, I don't think he got dropped. He definitely had gotten gapped a little bit at that moment, but he those guys were kind of yo-yoing. They were going back and forth. He could, probably could have caught up, but the mistake, or kind of mistake, as you put it, Lewis, where do you, like, what is your thoughts on that? What do you, I, I kind of felt like he was getting a little flustered. Um, look, look, people like you, the haters, um, <laughs> you want to jump on him for making a mistake. He didn't crash in that main event. So please, Mr. Hater, choose a lane because haters like you want to get on him for crashing every week and he did not not crash in that main event. So in my mind, that means that haters like you should deem it a success. Oh, okay, Scotty. That, uh, <laughs> hang on, listen. Well, uh, for me, it looked like, and I know everybody's probably going to crap on me for this, but to me, it looked like he the bike setup that they went with just wasn't, it just I don't think he just quite was there for that level of, riding with Cooper and Eli in that kind of moment. I just think when the way the track deteriorated, the bike just didn't, it, I just didn't look like it was going to let him do what he needed to do. Like even when he caught, when uh, Eli jumped into Cooper or whatever you want to, however you want to call that, he, that was his chance. He caught up and then that little camel hump triple thing, he rolled all three of them. And like, Cooper he just made, did, right? No, uh, uh, Chase did, oh, right? Chase, yeah. yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, caught yeah. up the gap. He's like, oh, they're back right there. And right. then he made a mistake and rolled all three of those. And then, boom, the gap was back to almost where it had been. So I just, I don't know if it was because of bike or just he got into a weird mental state, but it was, it just seemed off to me. What did you want to say, TJ? I was going to ask about how many times can can he keep making mistakes and the wind <laughs> go out of the section ship sails? Lewis? Uh, yeah, but again, has the wind gone out? He finished third. No, no like, I'm, asking, I'm asking. Third is a disaster. No, I, I don't think it's... Well, to him, he wants to win. So I think to somebody at his level, he kind of... It's hard to be like, you know what? I got third. It's okay for so long. He can only do that before the wind comes out of them Sexton ship sails. Yeah, like, obviously he wants... Obviously he wants to win. Everyone wants to win. And, okay, it has been... Uh, well, Anaheim 2 was a month and a half ago. Yeah. So it has been, it has been a little while. But... I think if you're Sexton, you take, um, not motivation, you take comfort from the fact that he's been very much in the battle for the wins. Yeah. It's a very different story, I think, if you haven't won and you've been nowhere close. But if you haven't won and you've been ridiculously close multiple times, you can kind of sleep at night knowing that 
it's still there. Um, if you go to sleep at night thinking I'm miles off every week, obviously that's a harder pill to swallow yep. and a harder thing to get your head around. Um, so I think very different, same result, same outcome, but very different ways of looking at it depending on how those races actually go. Now, Lewis, you told me in a text that you have a little bit of a rant. Uh, I opted to not hear this rant until the showtime. Let's go. Um, well, to start my rant, uh, some context. So very interesting from the uh, Daytona race. Um, early on, uh, Webb and Sexton were skimming the whoops, and it was worth so much time. Uh, basically, skimming the whoops in 250 main and, 450, and 450 main was worth a second over jumping, which I feel like it's uncharacteristic to see that sort of difference because once guys start jumping, that normally means they are jumpers, and jumping is either as fast or faster. So really interesting to see that bigger difference with different lines and to see Tomac doing something different to Sexton and Webb. Very, very interesting. Um, obviously, Webb started skimming on lap six. Sexton started skimming on lap three. So skimming didn't last for long. But for the time that it did last, really, really interesting to sink your teeth into. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed sinking my teeth into that. Okay. So I thought I'd share it with the world. I thought I'd share it with the world. And the world <laughs> did not want to hear this. The world responded in anger, saying, well, Tomac won the race, uh, it clearly wasn't fast enough. And Tomac won the race, nobody cares. And Tomac won the race, that's all that matters. And I was so angry because I feel like all we need to, all we want, all we all want to do is break down racing. And to me, the difference in speed between skimming and jumping is breaking down the racing and a really interesting thing that I spent, I've spent a lot of time thinking about and watching. I watched replays of guys hitting the whoops for like, 30 minutes because i was so engulfed in this interesting dynamic of well why wasn't tomac jumping and why oh sexton went back to jumping on lap five interesting 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 but it was not well received by some and that made me feel as though actually all people want is for us to come on this podcast friend and say tomac won at the weekend what a great ride by him we'll see you in indianapolis all right that's it we're out show's over <laughs> like <laughs> so angry because I was just like, well, what, what are we doing right. then? Do, does no one want us to, does no one want any breakdown or bench racing or anything? Like it's generally quite an interesting thing. What's if, if, if some butts were candy and nuts, we'd all be very happy or something. Is something the same. like that. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> um, I, I was pretty interested in it as well. I asked Cooper about it in the press conference. Cause I was like, look, it's clearly looked, it looked faster. Don't try and don't try and ride my coattails. Hey, I did this before you brought it up. <laughs> this was Saturday night post race on the press conference, which you were not there. Sorry, sir. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe we're so such good friends that we're just in sync. What do you think? Do you think it's that, that people don't care because they didn't come up with it themselves? You no, I don't us- think it's that they don't care. I think it's that some people just, some people I think see it as disrespectful that you're not, because they, they do just want the winner. The winner was the greatest rider on the night. And obviously Tomac was the best rider on the night. He won for a reason. But I don't think that means that you can't break down other parts of the races. And who, like, for instance, Sexton and Webb were faster in the whoops when they were skimming. Yeah. Uh, Sext- Sexton was the fastest when he was jumping. Again, interesting. Um, and actually, that's a positive from Sexton's night because the whoops have been a bit bad. He was the fastest skimming and he was the fastest jumping. <laughs> so that's good. We'll get into that one last. Me and Lars might just talk for a bit. <laughs> you could, you got luck and walk off. Okay. Um, Fair enough. What was I going to say? But equally, uh, Sector 3, which was from the triple before you go under the bridge to the first whoop, Tomac was gaining a second on the other guys there. So that's where he was pulling the time back. Mm -hmm. So now you're really starting to get a picture of how this thing went down. 
And I think that's interesting. But some people threw it back in my face. And I was I was just I felt disappointed in the world, to be honest. Who who is some You could have said the opposite of what you said and they would still have dis- there was still Somebody. people that have done the same thing, so you can't win. <laughs> I would just like to say that someone in the YouTube chat just said that maybe Sexton needs Alden, and I think that Sexton needs Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> he knows you, he knows you're there. He knows the Sexton uh, ships. He knows. He, he would never get better because we're close Lewis, personal friends. Because Lewis would be like, hey, "You're doing great." That's perfect. somebody. You're, that's, you're doing got great. Chase Sexton's phone number this weekend. Oh, somebody. Oh my God, I'm um, good. Jamie's just trying to really ride those coattails there as well. He's everywhere. Wait, are you going to admonish him like you did um, ML? Wait, admonish, admonish, abolish? What no, did you say? Admonish? Like get what on to him? What does that mean? Uh, he, I've never asking, heard that word in my life. He's asking if you'd get on. You're going to get on to me, but I'm the one that got the phone number for him. But no, no I, Jamie, Jamie has had Jamie has been spoken to off record, <laughs> and he has been given some instructions and. Jamie has taken those on board, and we are watching Jamie's performance very cl- uh, closely. <laughs> you know that if anyway. even if even if Sex- if Sexton does win the championship, then all of a sudden the Sexton ship is going to have all these people that were on it the whole time that were nowhere to be seen at this point in the season. Be- <laughs> but no, well, truthfully, who who does everyone think is going to win a championship? Well, uh, honestly, ha- from your heart, not your head. Mm-hmm. Vote from your heart, Eli. Eli. See, I keep uh, holding. I'm, I'm with you, Lewis. I keep holding out for Sexton. That's the, the speech. Well, is, I will, well, if I this I, weekend was weird, I, was I will say this, that. I had a statement I was going to say, but then Lewis is going to tell me to back off. Well, how can no one pick Webb? You, I mean, and I say that as myself as well. But it, it seems surprising that, um, because, that Webb is kind of the man on the roll right now. Because right now, Eli's like you just can't. He's proven to be the best that we've had for the last few years. And so how can you bet against him? I mean, if I think about who I'm going to pick, it's going to be like, where's my money going to go? Would I like Webb to win? Do I think it's possible? All those things are yes. But if you ask me right now, midseason, this close, who's going to pull it out? You, you have to, I have to say Eli. For from the heart, I want to say Sexton. From the head, it's probably more like Webb or Eli. But you ask I, for um, the heart. I, I honestly don't know where to go because yeah. – the the fact that Webb has gone what one two one two in the mm-hmm. last four races that's I feel like that is massively overlooked like ridiculously overlooked, um and we're going to Indy soft dirt like it could very much be a one again this weekend mm-hmm. it really could and then we're looking at one two one one two one two one, um and at that point that's impossible to ignore and you so, may be right because of Eli having the crazy races that he has had in the past he hasn't really had them this year but in he has a history of it. I would bet if we had Eli on this show, and I'd love to ask him this, he wouldn't answer it, obviously. Tomac, I would bet, is much more... Uh, I don't know, actually. I would bet that Tomac is much more comfortable fighting for the championship with Webb versus fighting for the championship with Sexton. Yes. Agreed? For what yes. reason? Because I feel like Tomac knows that Webb is not going to raise the speed bar mm. to the point where Tomac can't match it. And I feel like that probably gives Tomac, Tomac some comfort. Because yeah. as we've seen this year, Tomac has been a little Ryan Dungeness. <laughs> James Stewart. <laughs> All right, we got to move on topics. No, I was, talking about, I was just talking about, um, what's it called, Sexton and James's, how, how much they were alike as far as their racing. Oh. Uh, we got to talk about Racetech, our other presenting sponsor. 
Race Tech service centers are all over the country. And did you know, TJ, that you can get the same great product settings and services that Race Tech offers locally to you with a tuner you can drive to and likely even see at your local racetracks? Race Tech has a network of service centers around the globe who have access to the same parts and settings as Race Tech's headquarters in Corona, California. Just log on to racetech.com to find the Race Tech center closest to you. This week's featured Race Tech service center is Torres Motorsports in Montana. Clint previously worked for Troy Lee Designs race team before starting his own suspension tuning shop, servicing much of the northern region. I know that dude. That dude's awesome. He bought an RV from me. Cool, man. Yeah. Hey, just saying. He's a great shop. Racetech.com to find your local service center. And if you're in the Montana area, check out Torres Motorsports. Um, yeah, Lewis, uh, let's talk about a couple other things. Before We got about 10 minutes before we got to get Cooper on. Uh, let's talk about, because you're going to probably jump off a little early tonight. You wanted, you had some questions about the GNCC that I did for Ampro Yamaha at Palatka, Pal, how do you know how you say it? Palatka, Florida? Well, you were there. Yeah, I don't know how you say that. <laughs> you should be- I think it's Palatka, <laughs> Palatka, Florida. Um, yeah, you're kicking me off to get um, Cartwright and his sponsor on. And seeing as I'm not going to have the chance to ask this question, at the top you said Cartwright rides for Psychic Motocross? Motorsports. Is this a psychic service? I, I'm going to ask. I don't know. You can stay on. That's fine if you want. You. I had. I. I. I heard that, and I was immediately like, "Wait, what? Is this actually a psychic who predicts how your races go?" I'm or curious to ask or? that, but I. We. We will find out for sure. Well, generally, um, I think it's quite interesting. I'd, I'd be curious to know, um, what the what do you call it? A track in the GNCC? What do you call it? I, I'd say a course, probably the loop. Um, yeah. yeah, like what? What was it? Was it wooded? Was it flat yes. out? Was it quite slow? Uh, no, it was. There was parts that were slow, and then there were so open spots that were pretty fast, like just sandy sand whoops. Almost the whole thing was sand whoops. So there wasn't really wooded tight sections. Yes, yes, definitely got in some tight sections where you were squeezing through. With, with thankfully, I had Zacco's skinny, skinny bars. Well, that must have been nice to have the shade and a bit of a slowdown to catch your breath. It sure was, but most of the time was spent standing up because it was all sand whoops. So it felt like for two hours, the, my total time was two hours and nine minutes, two hours, nine minutes, 45 seconds. I felt like about two hours of that was standing. Really? It, do you regret not, doing it? No, definitely not. Um, it was pretty it's miserable. Not, okay, Go you ahead. can do it again this weekend. Are you signing up? <sighs> yeah, why not? No, that's a no. The hesitation. That was a no. And that's fine. You need a weekend off to recover. I can understand that. I would like to have a weekend off to recover. But if I got told, hey, there's another one in Indy. Why don't you come out? I probably would try. Well, what is your, um? you've done that. What is your next like bucket list item? Oh, I don't even know if this was a bucket list item, but what? what is something that you next want to do? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I want to get to know my friend better. <laughs> I, I think I'd like to do, I've talked about like a hare and hound or a works race out in the West Coast in the desert, but. So that, what, what's a hare and hound? Um, it's it's like enduro. I think. Yeah, it's Endu- like checkpoints. It's, it's like checkpoint enduro stuff. I, okay, so there's nothing, it's not a difference in like course. No, like it's setting. it's still it's still the off road cross country style racing. It's just how they time it and how they score it. Okay, because here, because uh, in the UK, hare and hounds is what we call enduro. Oh, yes, yeah, it's yes. same same concept. It's enduro. Yeah. It, that's why I said like an enduro because out here, oh, okay, I don't know why here in East Texas they don't call them enduro. I mean, they, they don't call them hare and hounds. They call them enduro races. So like, we did one of those, and it's kind of the same thing. You have checkpoints. You have to make it to 
And if you make it there before your time, you get to rest. And if not, you just keep going kind of a deal. Um, Question, Jamie. Yep. Is it, would you feel like you enjoyed it more if you were with your own bike and your own little setup? Like, do you feel a bit embarrassed being under such a professional setup with a professional bike and a professional team and all of that stuff? Like, do you kind of feel a bit like, uh, like uncomfortable put in that situation? Because obviously you are not that level of rider. I hate. Especially oh, in the yeah. beginner no, class. No, I actually, I thought it was really cool to actually, what did you say? Especially I what? said, especially in the beginner class. <laughs> yeah, right? Hey. Factory beginner. <laughs> Factory beginner. Factory supported. Uh, no, I wasn't embarrassed at all, Lewis. I thought it was really cool that those guys wanted to help out. Uh, the mechanic, which is Zacho's guy, Josh Siegel, was like, he listens to the shows and he knew who we were and he was, yeah, he, everybody thought it was really cool to have us out and um, yeah, it was fun. I wasn't embarrassed or uncomfortable at all. Those guys made me feel real comfortable and took care of me. It was, it was, it was a very neat, cool experience. Okay. I only asked because I feel like I would have been um, uncomfortable. Well, you get, yeah, you get uncomfortable in a lot of situations though. So if, um, if, if Osborne was healthy, you wouldn't have had the chance to do this. Yeah, actually it was his practice bike. So he brought his okay. practice bike. I did not ride his race bike, but they were almost identical. Very comparable, comparable. Okay. So I've, I've got no more questions. Okay. Well, we're going to talk more about it here in a little bit, but we got to work on getting Cooper Webb on. Um, Lewis, I have a question. Yeah, you, you talk while yeah. I get Cooper on. Lewis, I have a question. You, so, yep. so since I guess the people can get to know you, because I don't know, do you ride? Uh, I used to. Um, I rode, I raced every weekend from when I was like six, which is the youngest you can race here, Yeah. to, uh, I don't know, 16, 17. And then I started going to every GP every weekend so obviously then i wasn't riding and once i got off the merry-go-round i couldn't really be bothered to get back on because every time i tried to ride i got so tired and it was so miserable and i was like oh this isn't as good as it was a year ago because obviously i wasn't as good because i wasn't riding as regularly so i was just like well if i can't do it if i can't do it well and do it properly then i can't be asked Hey guys, did you know w, WUSA is your source for all things wheels. If you're looking for a complete set of wheels for your bike, we have something for every budget. If you want to use the same wheels used by Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Malcolm Smith, Christian Craig, Chad Reed, and Jeremy McGrath, just to name a few, we have what you need. We have the exclusive W Edge wheel set starting at $799 as the exclusive importer of Han Kite and Talon Hubs, as well as XL and DID rims. We can build your dream wheels. Visit WUSA and use promo code MOTOXPODSHOW to save... Tonight, WSA brings us the Red Bull Factory KTM team, Mr. Cooper Webb. What's up, Coop? What's up, Darkside? How's it going? It's going good, man. I still had a little bit of thought that you might just, like, not answer. (laughs) (laughs) We're live, man. We made it. We We made made it. it. We're back. We're we're buddies again. Yep. Yeah, oh, you now. hesitated. Oh. <laughs> he, had to, he had to hesitate because he doesn't know what kind of crazy questions you're going to yeah. ask. So, Coop, man, um, Daytona, special experience, hell of a race. Little bit of a mistake there in the – or not, I don't know if it was a mistake. It was You hit false neutral. Really, I don't know that's a mistake. But, dude, that you, that's got to be eating at you a little bit. Yeah, um, definitely Yeah, a bummer for sure. Made that mistake. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened. I think uh, when I rewatched it and replayed it, I think I hit first over the wall and then um, went over the finish line thinking I had clicked second and, and Hatton. And at that point, was super wound out in uh, first gear. And I knew I wasn't going to make it if I hit it in first and just kind of was like, well, let's try a shift. <laughs> and I pulled my clutch in, luckily, and I uh, just kind of hit that false neutral and, uh, yeah, ended up 
you know, just pulled in the clutch, was able to double and then got it back in the second. And, uh, at that time, you know, Eli had, had gotten around me, but, uh, you know, it was, it was still good racing and, um, you know, he was charging hard either way. Yeah. It was a really exciting, uh, Daytona to me because you and Eli were kind of yo-yoing and even Chase was catching up and, and making a run at times. And, the, the track seemed to lend itself in spots where Eli was faster and you mm-hmm. were faster in other spots. So at least it kept me kind of on the edge of the seat watching the top three. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, I think it's like that, right? It's, uh, it's a tough track. You know, I think it's honestly one when you're leading, it's, it's hard. Uh, it changes a lot. You know, I think the, the sand section and the switchbacks, if you look throughout the race, I mean, it, it probably changed what line was faster three or four times, you know, especially the sand and, and the switchbacks and then uh, the whoops as well. You know, it was uh, just off track. Obviously, it breaks down a lot. Um, but this year, I feel like they they actually fixed it probably the most they've ever have, to be completely honest. Um, I've ridden it every year way gnarlier than what it was this year. So uh, a lot of track prep, but obviously still Daytona, so you you get get that gnarliness, but yeah, it changed a lot. You know, I think uh, that lap that that Eli got me in the sand, it was like it just changed. You know, during during that time, and then I look back at the race, and we we hit that same line over and over, and it gets blown out to where I, I really think maybe the outside would have been faster again. And um, but yeah, like you said, there was fast spots where I was fast, spots where he was fast, and. I mean, he definitely got around me. He he had some speed there, um, and then but I felt like I was able to to really kind of keep it uh, not super close, you know, but within or good reason. And he would be you know a little faster one lap, and I'd be a little faster the next. And um, we we look at the like I look at I always look at lap charts at the end of the the race and stuff. And you know, I think my his second and my second best time came on with two to go, you know? So mm-hmm. we were pushing the limit for, for a whole 20 plus one. Absolutely. So when you sit back after a race like that and a racer has make, a, let's say you make a mistake, like you fall over and then you lose a race versus almost not a mechanical, but a mechanical mess up with the bike, whether it was caused by you or just caught, do you leave there like going, okay, I had a win in the bag, but I lost it. And it's not as bad because you didn't, it wasn't you falling over or whatever. Uh, for me, it's still a mistake. You know, I think, um, obviously whatever it is, whether you want to call it false neutral or just binding up the gears or whatever, it's, it's a mistake that I made. Right. Um, so it, it is what it is. And, and I think, um, we were so back and forth, you know, and I, and that it's hard to say, you know, it was still, I think when he got me was about what, maybe halfway or, or so. So, uh, or maybe later, I don't really remember, but there's a lot of racing left. And, um, I, you know, I can look back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But then there's things that I also can say right now, like, Oh, I wish I would have went back to skimming the whoops or, um, went faster on lap that it happened or whatever yeah. it was. So, uh, I mean, e- either way, I think for me, I don't get, too bummed out especially at daytona like i mean personally for me to be in the fight for 20 minutes plus one and get beat by i think it was like 1.2 seconds to eli at daytona um (laughs) almost is a win in a way you know but at the same time i did feel like i i left the win 
on the table. Um, but either way, it's it's you can be frustrated or you can look at the positives and think there was a little bit of both. Right. Lewis. I um I I presume you started jumping the whoops mainly to protect the inside so that Eli couldn't run it in on you. Um, how much longer do you think the whoops would have stayed skimmable? Because like looking at the times now, it was so much faster to skim them, and obviously that was actually yeah. an advantage that you had. Yeah, and that's what uh, when I rewatched the race, it's like it's weird. Daytona is a weird one. It's um, like I alluded to earlier about being being kind of unique in the way the lines change. It's also unique in the sense of it sounds like guys are are all over you um all day and i don't know if it's just because we're it's a long straight a lot of long straightaways and um that especially that 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 whoop section and stuff no matter what it sounds like someone's you know all over you like i say they're like in your back pocket is what i call and that's not normally how it is so i think for me when i was skimming the whoops i didn't realize how much faster it was until I rewatched the race and go, Oh wow. You know, there was half second just there, if not more sometimes. But if you take the, the triple into consideration and the turn, um, you know, maybe it wasn't as much time, but I do think you leave the door wide open and the lap before I went to jumping Eli about had me, you know, like I kind of went for it expecting to be bumped and, he kind of backed out of it. Like he definitely was nice. So I think that was kind of like the, the warning call. Like, okay, I can't leave that door open. But like I said, I think that's where I was going on that far, far right where not a lot of guys like Chase went there, Barsha went there, but I really think we were probably some of the only guys actually skimming them. And um, who knows if it would have lasted through a whole main event, but it was definitely fast for part of that race. And um I do think the jump line got actually most time when you jump, it kind of gets a goat trail, but it actually, the whoops did down, you know? So you were still going actually really high when you were jumping them, but you know, you live and you learn. Right. Hey Cooper, with you, uh, with three of y'all being in this title fight, this close at this point, this season is very rare and unique and exciting as a fan to watch. I, I think it's awesome. But what I want to know is how has your race craft changed and your plans on race day? Do they differ at all now that there is three of y'all rather than just the normal two that we kind of usually see at this point? Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Um, it definitely changes. I think, um, I think now let's say you got to beat two guys every time you line up. Um, but it's it's honestly one of those things that I think is is good in the sense of anything can happen, right? I think um, it creates more pressure, uh, but it then creates more pressure on yourself to, hey, I need to beat these two guys especially. Um, but at the same time, there's 10 other dudes that realistically can, can mix it up each weekend, you know, depending on maybe it's the track or whoever's really riding good that weekend. So um, I think I think that's what's probably going to make it tough, especially as we go deeper into the season. Um, but I that it's I, I feel like I'm I'm great with pressure. I feel like I kind of thrive off that. So for me, I feel like it's almost elevated me. And I feel like since it's kind of been us three, at least for the title, you know, points wise, I 
have actually elevated these last this last month and um, have gotten better. So I think it's cool, you know, from a fan perspective, from a racer's perspective, from everyone. It's it's great for the sport and it's great for for us racers. But I'm I'm sure, you know, <laughs> for me, I wish that as a stubborn side, I wish you know, just two of us for sure. So you're just going mono e mono, but uh, it's definitely what makes you better. Coop, I want to ask you about the bike. Uh, you, you had some disagreements with the bike last year. You weren't totally stoked on it. Uh, even in Paris, you were still working on some things. Didn't look great in the whoops. And it's funny that in Daytona, we're talking about how much better you were at skimming the whoops. Mm-hmm. Um, how happy are you with the bike right now? And I believe this is a contract year. So if you are where you want to be with the bike, how much effect does that have on your decision of what you're going to do going forward? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it can be better for sure. Okay. Um, we're in a good spot. You know, obviously that's pretty clear. I don't think you, you win with, with not a good bike, but you know, there's certain things that I, I personally believe it could do a lot better, but we have a really good base and I think that's important. It's, uh, it's, it allows me to, to ride it, you know, to my ability, um, and some capacity. So I think we're, we have a strong, strong bike and I'm in a good spot. And I think it's nice just to, we haven't clicked around at the races. I've been pretty much riding the same settings since Anaheim one, which is, is really nice. You know, it's not always the case. Um, but yeah, as far as contract stuff, I mean, it's, it is, we'll see, you know, yeah. I think, um, I'm very happy where I'm at. Um, I've had great success with this team and with this program and, um, you know, obviously this year kind of getting back on track to my, my old self is, has definitely helped. So we'll see. It's still early. You know, there's, there's one goal at mind right now and that's to win this championship. So, um, if we're able to do that, then, then we focus about hopefully extending with, with the team. Yeah. You just said you're happy with you where you are, but obviously the bike could be a little bit better. What's, what's the one area that you would like to, that you're trying to find improvement in on the bike? Uh, I think for me, it's, it's, there's some, the, the, the cornering for me, I am, uh, very happy with, um, but I do feel like as the track gets rougher, my bike is very good. Um, and there's some spots where in qualifying and maybe earlier on in the heat when it comes to pure speed, I think I could be helped out a little bit there, but, um, like I said, overall, we're, we're in a really, really great spot and it's not easy. You know, I think we're, we're looking for half a percent at this point, you know? So, um, but it's, that's, that's racing, you know, you're always looking to, to really evolve. And, um, you know, every year I think there's, as, as these bikes change, maybe there's certain things that, um, different manufacturers do better. And then there's things that maybe the old bike or, did better and maybe this new bike does better. So you're just always learning and, and you're always trying to kind of double dip and, and get the best of everything. Sure. Sure. So you brought up a very interesting point about being selfish and wanting, you know, just two of y'all to be battling for the championship. That leads me to the question of the outdoors. Like how did you, what were your thoughts whenever Eli said, you know what? I think I want to race the outdoors again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's like, damn, we, we thought we were getting rid of you. <laughs> I love the honesty. Uh, I mean, I was joking with with someone the other day about 
if it wasn't for Eli Tomac, I'd be four-time Daytona winner. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but no, I think it's it's hell. That's that's what makes racing so great, and that's what makes our sport the top of the top. Um, and it's cool, you know. I think it's cool that he's still racing. I think it's it's definitely changed um, the way that maybe these last ten years have been. You know, me being I'm 27 now, and that's basically when when all the greats have in the last decade or so have decided to call it you know so i think it's encouraging to see hey you you still can go until you're 30 and even into your 30s and be competitive and be fit and fast and win championships so i think that's really cool and then um i mean i'll give it to him man i i i i respect that he's still wanting to come compete and um is still able to do it and um, definitely doesn't make our job any easier. You, you said you're 27 and I remember you on um, mini bikes and I am feeling really, really old. Just you letting are, you know. You <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's been, been 10 years, you know, I turned I know. pro when I was 17. So oh. man, it, it has flown by. And, and like I said, that's, what's crazy for even me is, is I look at all the guys I've been racing for the last five, six years that are all older than me. And, and, you know, 90% of them are, are still out there and are still my main competition. So like I said, as a whole, the, the sport seems to be kind of turning, turning that leaf a little bit to where, you know, that 28 to, to 32 is still a very capable age, you know, and, um, Blame yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, obviously, you've been in this thing since rounds one and two, but like, how much do you feel like you've actually elevated your game since the start of the season? And actually, the same question with the bike as well. Like, which thing has come the furthest since Anaheim won? Uh, I think me personally. Um, taking this summer off was the best thing for me mentally, physically, just to restart my career. Um, but I do think. I left maybe a little bit like just not racing. You definitely lose a little bit of just like that, um, the race craft and the way, you know, the racing in the 450 class works and strategy and, um, a little bit of that. You know, I think like when I look back at Anaheim one, I did ride really well and I got second, but I definitely got tight and nervous. And, you know, when I look back, like Eli crashed there and, that should have been an opportunity and I didn't take advantage of it, you know, and, and same at San Diego. I feel like maybe I, I kind of felt like I had the speed and the fight to win that night, but I hadn't raced Eli head to head in so long, you know, cause I, I, I didn't battle him at all last year. And in 21, you know, I think Dallas, one of the Dallases was really the only time we had a, mono mono battle and i think when you're battling with someone every weekend you kind of learn their ten- tendencies and so i think san diego like i said i, I rode great and, and maybe not would have won that race but i felt like i left some on the table and then um you know then then we went to the triple crown and and that was kind of once again like it had been a while since i've done that format so just little things like that a little bit of like knocking the rust off uh i think was was maybe something and then um once I got that confidence of like, Hey, I can, I can win and, and be up here. It was, that was really, I knew I could coming into Anaheim, but I think getting that second there just was kind of like, all right, we're good. You know, we can, we can go be a contender again. Yeah. That must've given you even more 
confidence from what the result actually was because yeah second was great but to also know that you weren't on your a game yet you were knocking off rust and you were that close um i guess it probably gave you more confidence than any of us even realized yeah yeah but then like i said i think houston was was not a good one uh, but then came around you know the the next weekend and and got got the first win so um you know it, it's racing you're gonna have those those bad races and stuff but yeah i think i definitely run off confidence that's something that that um helps fuel my fire and and like i said i think with me i don't typically start the season as well as i have this year you know this is february march is for me when i usually really get the the wagon rolling i guess you could say so um yeah, I'm, I'm in a really good spot. I'm happy and think we can make a good push this second half. Uh, WUSA bringing Cooper Webb tonight. You know, you, we've talked about your confidence and where you're happy that we are right now. And then the break that you had last year is appearing to be a solid move and has gotten you that, that, revi- that I can't even say revitalized. it, revitalized you for this season. But I just kind of take us through a little bit of that journey and then your confidence now compared to maybe the end of the Supercross season last year? Yeah. <laughs> end of Supercross last year was brutal, man. I was I was contemplating a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think just, just the journey, I don't know. I, I never lost, even though I was definitely at rock bottom towards the end of Supercross last year and, and throughout the season at certain times. Um, I personally never lost faith in what I could do on a motorcycle and, um, what I was capable of. I just, um, maybe I'm a, I'm a very calculated rider and, um, I don't necessarily take a lot of calculated risk or, um, you know, it's, I don't know. Our sport is, is dangerous. Don't get me wrong, but. I always feel like I'm, I'm in control. Obviously freak stuff can happen. Um, and I felt like last year I wasn't in control and, um, just wasn't gonna, you know, push, push that, that envelope for, um, for my body and, and health, I guess you could say. So anyway, it was, it was rough. And I think, um, that was a big thing this summer was to just clear my head and, um, not lose total confidence in, in my abilities and really just get back to why I enjoy riding motorcycles and why I do what I do. And I think, like I said, I was able to do that. Uh, I got just rode for fun, you know, and that was honestly the first time I've probably done that in, in 10 years. You know, I think for me, what, what I enjoy about racing is uh, competing and um, I think I got, so wrapped into that that last year when I wasn't competitive in my mind you know I hated every second of of the sport so I think getting back to being able to enjoy motorcycle racing and and really understand how cool our job and and racing is and then um you know having having my daughter I think definitely was a great perspective and helped give me that balance that I was looking for and then like I said I think I did a lot of homework on my own this summer, um, on what I felt like the direction we needed to go with the motorcycle. And, um, I kind of did a lot of, a lot, a lot of testing this summer, um, 
just just kind of on my own and um, understanding the motorcycle and um, to where when we we started testing with the team in October, I I knew what areas we needed to fix and we butted heads a little bit, but then we got it done and um, we got to a great spot, I'd say early December. And like I said, since then I haven't touched a thing. So um, always room for improvement, you know, but I think um, once you get to a spot where you're, you're comfortable and happy, it's, it's hard to, to go away from that. But uh, like I said, I think once we can get some parts that on motorcycle, that'll, fix some of our issues right now, then we'll really be in a good spot. Throughout that whole process, how much of a, a role did you getting to do those off-road racings? How much did that play into that finding that love again? Uh, it, it honestly was just kind of like for fun, you know, like I kind of was getting that competitive itch again and I grew up riding like woods races or not trails and riding woods and I was like, man, it'd be kind of cool. Like the J day guys hit me up and we're just like, Hey, we'd love to have you. And, um, I was living in my house in North Carolina over the summer and there was one like an hour away. And I was just like, you know what? Like, let's go try it. Like who cares? Um, and yeah, like did, I think that one was like the North Carolina hair scramble race and it was two hour race and, um, got second. And I was just like, hell yeah. Like that was pretty fun. Uh, something new. And then, um, the JDA people hit me up and so it was just, it was just something cool and, and kind of different. And like I said, getting back to just like riding your motorcycle, uh, and learning again, you know, like I, I haven't had to learn anything on a motorcycle in a long time. So it was just been cool to, to do that. And obviously KTM support to, to let me be able to have some of that freedom and, and do what I felt was, was necessary to get back to being a championship guy. And, um, you know, kind of got, got all that out of the way. And then once I got back with Eldon, it was something where I was just back. Like I was here for the first time again, super motivated and, and ready to put in the work. So yeah, it was fun and definitely would like to, to do some more post post supercross motocross racing. Yeah. Just a couple more questions for you. Everybody in the studio is laughing because I lit up because <laughs> you said a two hour race, you got second. I just, I did the GNCC mm. in Florida Sunday. Go ahead, TJ. What do you got? Well, you got what, and two. So, so he, he got second place at the pro class. What class did you get second place in? C, baby. 45-year-old C. Let's I thought you go. said it was beginner. Don't, yeah. don't butter that, it. That's, well, that, they, C is a oh, beginner. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, I'll okay. Yeah. I'll give you that. But I, I, hey, and I did it on Zacho's bike, so we're, we're like teammates. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, nice, man. Yeah, well, I barely – it wasn't that nice, Coop. It was pretty pathetic. Nah, it was hot, and I can only imagine the the – how rough it got. I do saw not, videos. Do not build him up that at one all. That survival. He's yeah. after, the, after this, he's going to be like, yeah, Coop even said it was no. hard. <laughs> anyway, listen, a couple more questions. I got, and then we'll let you go. Um, hey, at least you didn't pull off about, I heard a story about you pulling off quit some side. other race. Yeah. So. yeah, I quit at Iron Man. That's why I did not quit this one. I, I could not quit. There was, I, I told everybody, um, if I'm breathing, I'm finishing. His feet were numb. There you go. Yeah, I was, I was I dehydrated, like but I finished. Um, all right, back to you. Racing RJ in the heat race, he gets the win. Look, he he. You guys train together. You guys are buddies. Had you had the chance at the end to to get him, how bad would you have felt? Bad would I have? Yeah, felt? for taking his win away. I wouldn't have felt bad, man. I would have won and been happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's all I needed to hear. Uh, <laughs> last thing, you you also mentioned a couple times. You know, you you want to win Daytona. 
obviously the championship's the most important thing, but at the end of the day, in the, the looking back on your career, how important is a Daytona win? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I definitely want to achieve that, right? And um, the last two years, I've 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 been dang close, you know. So um, I I think it's there. I've always ridden well there, and I think, like I said, I think besides Eli being seven time winner, <laughs> uh, I got six podiums there. So I mean, uh, I've never been off the podium. So I, I don't know. I think I gel well with that track and. Yeah, I'm not going to lose faith. I think it's going to come, and um, guess we'll have to wait again until next year. But yeah, I think uh, it's one that that is special. You know, growing up as a kid on the East Coast, we would go to that one and and watch as as fans. And um, you know, I even raced the the Ricky Carmichael's amateur one there when it first started happening. So it's a special one for me, and I would definitely love to win it one day. Absolutely. Wrap it up, Lewis. Uh, I've got. I've got a random one to close with. Um, obviously, I'm quite. Oh, you're good, man. We got nothing but time. Take your time. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm quite close with Hurlings, and talking to him like a few times lately, he keeps mentioning. Yeah, I was talking to Coop, and Coop said this, and we were talking. Like, so, do you actually talk to Hurlings quite a lot? Because that kind of surprised me how many times he name dropped you in conversations in the last like six months. Yeah, man, and it's uh, me and Jeffrey do. We talk quite a bit, actually. Um, yeah, it sounds like you compare notes we met, on like deep yeah, things. Through the GP in 2016 at at uh, Charlotte, and then, um, you know that that was more we were that race. We we definitely didn't talk a single word, <laughs> and then uh, I think we both just realized we had a lot of mutual respect for each other. And then um, I was supposed to race back then in 2016. I was supposed to race the Glen Helen. GP as well. Um, but we decided not to, because I was going to ride the 450 at nations. So we had to test, but, um, he was in California and I was living in California at the time. So we met up a few times that week and would grab dinner and stuff and just chat. And uh, we've, we've kept combo. I mean, we probably talk once a month at least. Um, and it's good. You know, I think we, we get each other. Like we, we're both very competitive. We're both, in the same mindset of like, we're going to win at all costs. And I think in our sport, there's only a few people that really think like that. And, um, when you can, I can't talk about some of the things I talk about with him to, to random people because they just, they wouldn't understand. So, um, it's good, man. I think we, we bounce some ideas off each other. You know, we, he'll ask me contract stuff. I'll ask him contract stuff. And, um, you know, just how it's going and stuff. But I think it's, it's been a lot deeper than that. And like I said, I think the respect we have for each other and, um, you know, it's the same. Like, I feel like when, when I'm comfortable and on, I can, I can really do well on a motorcycle and, and vice versa when he's comfortable, healthy and on, you know, he's probably the fastest man alive. So, uh, it's cool though. You know, we're, we're about the same age and, um, like I said, we're, I'm, a, I'm now a little different in life with a, a wife and kid, but, um, you know, we, when I would go race nations or whatever, we would, we would go out after the race and stuff and have a good time. So, uh, he's a good dude. Yeah, no, it definitely sounded like he like took a lot from your conversations. Like you said, it gets deep at times. And, um, yeah, talking to him, it sounds like you motivate him quite a lot and he watches what you do and how you handle things and that actually fires him up to, um, get the job done in Europe. Yeah. I thought it was just interesting how much you two seem to talk. 
yeah, no, it's it's cool. And plus, I always get tagged on Instagram that we look alike, you know. So hmm. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I can see it, Scotty. Go ahead. You got you. He came up with a question real quick. We'll wrap it up and let you go. Yeah. So did you have when and how did you find out that RJ was was trying to give you the better gate pick? Yeah, that's we talked about it today and I never felt that. I was like, man, I don't know. If you if you you looked at it and you chose a different gate and then you went back to that one and like you said, I'm I'm definitely focused on race day, not much talk and um there was it was weird. Daytona's not normally like this, but there was like two gates that were whole whole shot came from gate 5 all night and one came from six and Eli went five and I'm like, man, Rick, don't take six. <laughs> and Kenny was next in line and he, he had his eyes set more inside. And I was like, man, I was trying to kind of psych him out and I was looking at it, you know, like hoping he'd be like, all right, um, you know, Coop wants this one. I'm going to maybe move over. And then he took it and I was just like, Oh, son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> I let him know. <laughs> like, damn it. And then, uh, but I, you know, executed my start and, and ended up coming out first. But yeah, we were laughing about it after. And it's like, bro, you should have just told me. Like, I would have gave it to you. And I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, it's not my place. Like, you earned it. You won the heat. And I get it. You know, you're going to take the best gate. So we we're laughing. But, yeah, my wife tells me the same thing. I just got to communicate better, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, women always know. You got to listen. Uh, good stuff, Coop. Thank you for giving us some time, man. Glad to have you back on the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. I'll see you. See you this weekend. Yep. See you. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Yeah, see ya. Uh, appreciate Cooper Webb coming on. Good times talking to him. Lewis, that was a good question about Hurlings. Yeah, um, like I said, gen- it was a genuine question because in talking to Hurlings, like more and more in the last uh, – six months mm-hmm. i keep hearing like yeah coop said this and i was talking to coop about this and we were comp- like, obviously some stuff i can't say but sure oh we were comparing notes about this and yeah he thinks this about this and i was like like the amount of times it came up i was almost like is he really talking to you like are you really talking this much um and i guess so i i, I kind of wanted to know if it was a two-way thing or if it was just <laughs> more object- but apparently it really is um, yeah. and i've now got an idea that i need to execute um and unfortunately this will be for the lewis phillips podcast not the moto x part um i need to get i need to get jeffrey and cooper together and do a long form hour interview or something and yeah. just let them let them t- basically me start it i'll just walk off and let them talk talk because I, I feel like that would now be amazing that's a great idea i like it i i support it well so, i knew you would <laughs> hey i want to thank x brand goggles for supporting me at the GNCC, as well as quietly growing into one of the premier goggle choices available for privateers using some of the most grueling conditions by the 2022 GNCC XC2 champion, champion Lyndon Sodgrass, the 2022 GNCC ATV pro champion Bryson Neal, Factory Huskies Craig DeLong, Babbitt Kawasaki's Josh Strang, and many more all choose X-Brand, including Supercross riders Chris Blows and the AJE Motorsports team, Freddie Noren, John Short, Ryan Brees, Bubba Polly, many others, Visit xbrand.com today or go to your local dealership and ask for xbrand distributed through WPS. Kept my vision clear there, TJ, out in the woods. Yeah. That was one thing that did work. <laughs> did you see the tree when you hit it? Until I got the high. Yeah, oh, I saw the tree when I hit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely saw the tree when I hit it. But I, again, I want to thank the Ampro Yamaha guys, Mike Ulrich, for 
giving me that opportunity, Zach, for bringing the bike out so I could ride it. It really was a very cool opportunity. I, I was going to say almost like a once in a lifetime, but when I was leaving, the team manager came out and said, any other GNCC I want to do, they'd have a bike for me. So, yeah, I think we're going to try to do another one. I know ML wants to do snowshoe. After everything I've heard about that, it's like slow and rocky. I think I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think Barnwell. Like, this sounds like Barnwell, Scotty, which you held. If anybody remembers, you just like left and didn't even load up my bike. You just parked it. I know I loaded the bike oh, up. Whoa, whoa, up. You, whoa. You didn't wash my bike. You just loaded it. Well, and if left. I had we a way to racing. wash it, I would have. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I was done. How do you feel about that, Lewis? I was done with the woods, man. I loaned Scotty a bike for a enduro here in East Texas, and TJ and I come back to the pits, and Scotty's Talk just to gone. TJ. He left the bike, and he just loaded the bike up and took off. Didn't wash it, nothing. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honest, anything in that context, uh, anything in the dark side's context is going to make me sound like a POS, but <laughs> it really wasn't. It really didn't quite go down that way, but we'll it's go with it. Close. Yeah. What were you going to say, uh, Lewis? Uh, the more I learn week on week, um, Scotty just seems to be one very disappointing individual. <laughs> that's messed up, man. You don't even, you don't even know that's me, my man. my favorite line that Lewis has ever said. What do you guys think, before we get to <laughs> Lars here in a moment, opening ceremonies, I didn't hear it live. I missed it because I was in the media room. Opening ceremonies, JB10's the, uh, the marshal. Yeah. And he says, start your engines, but all the engines were already running, Scotty. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get to see the intro part. Oh, yeah. I just went straight to the races. Did you watch the race back, Lewis? Did you see that? Yep. Um, yeah, it's whatever. It's obviously, obviously it didn't work out. I kind yeah. of, It's kind of weird anyway. Like, I didn't actually know what a Grand Marshal does. So, like, when I finally heard him say those words, I was like, oh, that's the job. Yeah, um, it's a NASCAR but, thing. Yeah, just a bit weird. Like, I don't like, because start your engines isn't really a thing in this sport. So it just kind of yeah. felt a bit weird. Like, Push I don't know, could they not have changed it to be a... <laughs> Could they not have changed it to be a motocross, more motocross word? Like, I don't know. Like, it was gentlemen, odd. It was Hack Daytona. your gates or something. I don't know. Yeah, it was Hack odd. I think he was the first ever Grand Marshal of Daytona. So, like, maybe they'll... But I think they do that regularly at the car races. Yes, at car races they do. I'm just saying that for us. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of... Uh, just thought. I thought was it was there kind of was there a clip where everybody was just pushing their button and Ken's over there? Kicking? Yeah. That would have been good. <laughs> um, before we get... Again, before we get to Lars, I do want to bring up... With this track, Lewis, and some of the tracks, most of the tracks lately in general, I feel like the track builders have done a pretty good job, Where, especially at Daytona with the um, split lanes. Back in the day, there was almost always one that just didn't work, and everybody went to one. But the tracks lately have had multiple lines, and the split lanes did work at Daytona. i got to give those guys some props. Yeah, I think apart from San Diego, I think we've had good tracks every single week. Um, San Diego sticks out in my mind like mm-hmm. a sore thumb because that was terrible. But apart from that, um, I think this has been a pretty good year for tracks. I looked at the indie track map earlier, and that seems a little basic, but then it's going to be soft and rutty. So I guess right. um, the, the track design isn't for star there, it's for conditions. Mm-hmm. What, um, are you, what are y'all's thoughts on running the same tracks like this year? Like Daytona was the same as last year. Same pretty, layout. Same layout. So do you think we should do more of that? Because like... They, where they rerun, like they'll set, you know, not even just a classic track, but one from the year before somewhere or something like that. What do you think, Lewis? Me? me? Sure. Um, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, it's, I can take it with Daytona because Daytona is, again, unique, very different, blah, blah, blah. Um, with a normal Supercross, I would be a bit like, eh, because, like, it's so much easier to change it up because it is a blank canvas. Obviously, the more we know, Daytona is really quite difficult to set a track up. Yeah. So you can kind of, um, 
you can kind of sympathize with the fact that really they don't have much of a choice. Um, yeah, like to be honest, I can't even really remember last year's Daytona <laughs> race. So watching that race, I wasn't like, oh wow, this is the same. Like it, it didn't really like feel like that. Whereas I feel like the track from Anaheim one this year will really stick in my mind. And if we have the same thing next year, it yeah. will feel more samey. Scotty, any thoughts? No, I'm just thinking about how just his, just getting his his redheaded stepchild over here. Just Lewis apart. doesn't like me, and you know I'm just a, Lewis just likes somebody. He makes fun of me all the time too. Um, That's what I, we, I, I feel hurt, man. So that hold means on, we're friends. Since he's out of this, Lewis, <laughs> what do you think about if they ran that same track like four or five years in a row? Yeah, that's too much. Okay. Yeah. Why would they do that? Well, just, that? You know what I would love to see? I was thinking this. I was going to reach out to like JH or someone and see if this is possible. I would love to see the Daytona 2005 or so track map overlaid with like this year's track map just to fully mm. understand how much more space there was to work with back oh, yeah. then yeah, versus yeah, yeah. now. Because obviously we hear it all the time. Right. But um, you have to kind of visualize it in your head, but yeah, they put this here and they widened this bit of tarmac and whatever. Um, but I feel like a visual comparison of what of the type of space that they had to work with before and how much of the ground they used, I think that would really make you go like, oh wow, this is really a tough job now. Jamie doesn't have much to do; he could get on that. Uh, I probably got. Jamie's less- a very busy guy. <laughs> probably not as busy as for- Lewis is. But- I forget how much he takes up for you. More <laughs> friends. That's what friends do. Yeah, no. Okay, so we're well, I, got a lot of shit to, I, I got a lot of shit to begin with for being too hard on Dark Side. So now I'm trying oh, okay. to win the fans back around. Oh, okay. As, okay. Hey, as far as the tracks go, I will say the Daytona, I do miss when they would have that kind of sunken out wall jump thing that like Stu and Tomac and guys would like jump over. Launch. They kind of had one this year, but if they had launched it, they would have launched into the just, monster banner. At the, yeah, at the it wasn't quite line. the same. Nothing's doable anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, no wall, no big wall jumps lately. Well, I mean, there was a wall jump. They just couldn't launch it this year. Yeah, yeah they couldn't um, jump over the wall, I guess. Right. Next up, our next guest is going to be brought to you by Guts Racing. Andy Gregg and the Guts Racing crew have been providing the best seats and foam in the industry for years. For 2023, they've added Kawasaki to their complete seat lineup, as well as the color teal to the gripper material. Options available. Also new for 2023 are options for your e-bike. They have complete seats for Teleria and Super 73 and covers for the Segway and Suron, and they have options for the Honda, KTM, and Husky electric bikes. Visit GutsRacing.com today to check them out. Tonight, Guts Racing brings us from the factory Honda HRC team, the team manager, Mr. Lars Lindstrom. What's up, Lars? Hey, how are you guys? We're doing good, man. Good to have you on. I think this is the first time we've had you on the show. I think it is, too. Well, excited. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. We've got uh, Scotty in studio, TJ, and uh, Lewis Phillips is on the phone, so you'll hear a bunch of voices. But, um, dude, this season is a lot of peaks for you, a few valleys for the team. Just as a whole, how do you feel about everybody's performance? Um, yeah, like you said, a lot of, lot of highs, a lot of lows. Or, uh, yeah, but mainly highs, I feel yeah. like. You know, um, I mean, right now we're – Leading both 250 championships pretty comfortably, which is unreal. Um, we got, you know, both of the Lawrence brothers riding at the top of their game. And uh, it's uh, it's really, really exciting to have that. You know, something that's never been done before. And just having two bikes with both red plates on both coasts is, is something pretty special. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then obviously having Chase um, right there in the hunt for the 450 championship, which is you know, a huge goal of, of ours. And, um, it's been, you know, way too long since we've won a 450 championship. So definitely that is our, is our major focus. Um, 
and um, and it's just it's been pretty awesome seeing uh, Chase uh, battle with both um, with Eli and Cooper, and uh, obviously um, then uh, just being being that quick and uh, and you know having uh, decent results. I mean, uh, up and down with him, but uh, uh, you should have won a few already, and and uh, but what could have should have right, and uh, we're still in a good spot. So even if with all those those um uh small mistakes i mean we're still close which um which means something you know means that if uh it's not going to take a lot for for him to to break away and hopefully be a contender for the for the overall championship so yeah no it's been so far it's been good um you know with uh having colt uh having a couple nagging injuries that kind of you know sidelined him a little bit and uh you know having the get off that he had this weekend uh you know some of those things are are a bummer and we're doing everything we can to to try to get him um, into a good spot where so he can shot you know show his capabilities. Absolutely, um, yeah. And then uh, Hymas too. So sorry, I kind of went on a rant there, but no, that's you know. good. That's good. That's that's what we want, <laughs> man. We want information. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Cole. Obviously, he didn't get to line up this weekend because of the crash. But how much of a blessing has he been helping develop that bike? Uh, I know it kind of went in the opposite direction when Kenny was there from what Chase is comfortable with. And it sounds like it's leaning more in the direction of where Chase is comfortable and Colt's comfortable with what he's been developing. Yeah, no, it, it has been like that. And it was really, really uh, helpful, um, you know, in the off season when uh, Chase had just had a hell of a year, you know, um, well, not just, you know, results wise, but just physically, you know, he had, he had raced all the races. He had a, um, a lot of time under his belt, um, you know, riding and training and doing everything. So he really, really needed a, a bit of time off, I, you know, after motocross and nations and everything. Um, uh, so he, he, t- he took quite a bit of time off for himself, which I thought was great. And then, uh, um, at the same time we transitioned Colt onto the team and, uh, we were able to get, you know, that, you know, Colt, we gave Colt enough time to kind of get used to everything. And then we kind of, um, threw a few things at him that we wanted to try with, with chase. And, um, and at, at the same time, Trey Kennard, uh, injured himself. So it was, he was really, really helpful in getting, you know, through a lot of the initial parts that we wanted to try. Some of the things that we, along with uh, HRC and, and the uh, Japan um, production team, had developed um, to improve over last year, especially in Supercross. So, um, yeah, it was really, really cool to have him do all that. Uh, his direction, like you said, is a lot more similar to what Chase would like rather than what like, Kenny would like. Um, and, yeah, it, uh, it's been really cool being able to, you know, um, use parts and settings and things like that. Um, just basic bike direction with both riders, um, to help out each other out actually. And this past weekend, we actually used the fork that we had developed with chase on Colt and it, that was better. So, you know, it, it goes both directions and, um, and obviously Colt's just a, an awesome guy. Um, and, uh, just the vibe that he brings and the, the amount of, um, uh, comedy that comes, comes with him. And, uh, and and the Lawrence brothers with Chase too in the truck. It's it's you know a lot of times in the truck it's 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 just a lot you know like a whole lot, lot of laughing and making fun of each other and complimenting each other and pumping each other up and tearing each other down. You know it's it's, <laughs> it's always it. something going on and it's it's uh pretty fun. Yeah, sounds great. Um, I feel like a lot of people like to overreact about the mistakes that Chase has made this year. There's a lot of stuff on the TV show. Um, a lot of people are just making it into a bigger deal than it actually is, I feel. Kind of like you said at the top, like he's writing this thing. 
okay, if the mistakes were leading him to finish 14th, then that's a problem. But clearly, they aren't that big of a problem. But is that actually, truthfully, the feeling in the team behind closed doors? Because that's how I feel, but is that actually how the team feels? Um, no, I, I, you know, I don't think that, I mean, obviously the TV guys and everything, they, um, they, they need something to talk about. Right. And they, they want a story and they, you know, they're, they're looking for something. So, um, I mean, it has been the unfortunate, the things that have happened, um, when we, you know, we had some wins kind of in the bag and I think some of that, um, like Chase, Chase has owned up to on himself and some of it we need to own on ourselves to, you know, to be able to make the bike, um, a little bit better for him um, because he's pushing that thing to, to a whole nother level that we haven't seen, um, you know, in, you know, maybe ever, um, you know, you can see for him to qualify a second faster or near damn near second faster almost every weekend than the best riders in the world. Um, it, it means something. I mean, he's, he's going somewhere that we uh, haven't, you know, probably anticipated yet and, and gotten the bike to a spot yet to where he can um, he can go there and, and, and still trust it. So um, so we're, we're always working on that to try to make it better. Um, we're not to like I said, we we've had a few mistakes and we're still that close. So we feel really, really confident that we just need, uh, you know, to get a couple good results in and, and then get on a little bit of a roll. And I, I really, really feel like everybody's in trouble when that happens. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so you talk about that building the bikes and stuff faster. You being like working with Honda, and you used to hear all the time, you know, win on Sunday, sell on Monday, kind of a deal. Do do you ever hear the numbers? Is Honda ever talk to y'all about hey, like their sales are up because y'all are winning when you have both two fifty riders winning that that kind of stuff? Um. I, I know that we do really well in sales, no matter what. Um, I mean, the Honda brand in general is, right. you know, re- the reliability and the, the quality uh, kind of that kind of speaks for itself after just years of of continuous, um, you know, just you know, success, con- qu- quality products, yeah. and uh, and and people, you know, like obviously there's people that are just Honda people, right? But but I do think, especially in the 250 uh, category, um, I have to think that you know, winning on a 250, I mean, and, and developing the bike and we're, you know, us working with the production team to make the thing better, um, is, is definitely got to help with sales. Um, when we have so much, um, success on that bike, um, you know, obviously there's some competitors, competitive bikes out there and, and, uh, we've been working hard to get ours into the same category and, uh, obviously we're, we're getting there. So I, I, it, in that respect, yeah, I, I really do think it helps. And, and on top of that, um, you know, having our work edition bike that sells really well, yeah. um, with, with a lot of great parts on it, uh, for, and for the price, you know, if you were to part that out, it's still a, a pretty good deal when you, you know, consider the forks and the shock and the exhaust and the clutch, all those things. So it does us racing the bike, um, really does, I think affect the sales and, and, and also just people just, they want to have the cool stuff that you know, the race guys have. So, right. um, so when, when, you know, someone like even, you know, when we had Kenny and, um, you know, now with Chase and everything like that, I, I really do think it helps. Yeah. Okay. Hey Lars, take us uh, through a little bit of the process of negotiations between like agents, yourself, sponsors, as well as factory Honda. Um, obviously as much as you can, but just kind of how that process works. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you wanted to, start on the sponsor end. Um, I deal with 
um, all of our sponsors uh, pretty personally. Um, and when it comes to contracts and things like that, I, I, I actually a lot of that this off season. I'm kind of still learning. Uh, I can be probably be better, and I'm I think I'm getting uh, quite a bit better. But um, you know, this is only my second year um, um, doing this position, and and you know, you don't really get trained for that. You know, you it, I mean, I guess people do, but you know, I sure didn't. You know, I did a lot of other things, but I didn't get you know trained on how to negotiate and do these things and so it's a lot of a lot of learning on my end and learning and and that's where i've really really learned a lot from my manager uh brandon wilson um he's really really smart and uh he does a great job um at uh at all of that so he's helped me quite a bit and he has done a lot of the negotiation with uh, the riders i i was um you know it was a lot of my um ideas and planning and, and things to, to to get colt on the team um, so that was cool to, to go through that process and learn. Um, and then, uh, but you know, Brandon has really gotten the, the team and, you know, Eric Keo before that, but, uh, uh, Brandon had a kind of a master plan a little bit with riders. And so he was able to negotiate and, and do things like that. Um, to, you know, obviously to have Lawrence brothers and have Chase Sexton and, uh, unfortunately the Kenny, you know, uh, deal didn't work out, but you know, we're, I was, I was working with Brandon on that too. So, um, but as far as dealing with, with, uh, agents, yeah, you know, I, I do that, you know, very, very often. I mean, probably multiple times a week, I'm talking to either Lucas or Beaker, um, or Jimmy button, I guess. And, uh, you know, so all of that has, has been new to me. Um, but it's cool because it's something new and, you know, it really kind of is kind of like Jerry Maguire, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're, you know, dealing with these guys and, and they're coming at you with, whatever they got, you know, going on. So it, it's kind of fun. Um, but that's something that I'm definitely getting better at and, and, you know, want to learn more about um, how to be better at. Yeah. That business side of it, it's probably, it, I wonder how much fun that really is. You know, how much you actually enjoy that. You mentioned this is your second year and in the first year, obviously the Kenny thing didn't work out and, you know, he had some, some things he would say, you know, on his social media and that's probably not easy for you. You don't like, having to see that maybe and then this year is a contract year for chase so you have to figure all that out it's like it's just not it's not easy it's not smooth sailing you have to figure out how to uh tend the waters yeah no for sure and then uh, we have a lot of really good riders on the team and um and that isn't always easy you know because you want to make sure that you're giving everybody the same opportunities and the same amount of attention i guess and uh and I, you know, I think that we've always done on the team, um, a really good job of making sure that all our riders get all the same opportunities, you know, when it comes to chase, um, versus, you know, Colt, I mean, they're, they're all, I mean, you can look at Colt, right. And he, 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 he had a BFR shock to start the season. Mm-hmm. Those things are really, really expensive first off. And then also, um, hard to get. So, you know, he, he had the same opportunity as chase. He ran it and then, um, and then he wanted to switch to the standard shock because that's what he had, you know, all his other years. And, and so we were able to do that too, you know, so it's definitely has, you know, haven't, uh, we haven't given any real preferential treatment, uh, as far as that goes, we, everybody gets the same opportunities, but, but it is difficult when you have uh, a lot of top riders, um, and, you know, trying to balance them and try to give them all what they want, you know, and it's, it's, you know, just like you could expect you can never make everybody hundred percent happy, but try to do your best. And, um, 
yeah, it can be can be a bit of a struggle, but I think um, doing okay at it right now. Uh, just a two-parter on uh, Colt. First of all, easy. Is he in for this weekend, or is that still up in the air? Um, it looks like he will not be racing this weekend, so um, we're still trying to figure some some of that out. But right now, um, I want him to come back, and he wants to come back. Obviously, um, you know, totally healthy, and uh, you know, like some of these nagging things that have been kind of plaguing him the whole beginning of the of the Supercross. We can get some of those things um, cleaned up a little bit too, then he can really show his potential instead of riding and possibly, you know, not riding to his full potential. And um, I'd really, really trying to, to build him back up to a 450 rider that, that is in the top 10 every week and, and is, you know, a guy that um, is going to be, um, you know, able to succeed in, in the series so with rides and everything so even if it's not with our team i really want to help colt uh, make sure that he gets um you know what he deserves and um i think uh once we we get a his body a little bit better then he'll be right there so um he's right now i think we're gonna we're gonna probably skip this round and then uh come into detroit obviously he is on a supercross only deal and you're full outdoors but Seeing as he is very valuable with testing, it sounds like, would it make sense on your end to keep him on the payroll and just keep him testing Supercross through the summer so that Chase or whoever Jet um, come into 2024 with a little less work to do? Um, yeah, that would that would work out. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Um, but we, we do have a really, really good test rider in Trey Kennard. Um, and, you know, if I had just an endless budget, then, then yeah, we would totally do that. Um, but I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but, uh, you know, I, I know that there's other options and opportunities for him that I'm, that I'm working on for, uh, uh, for the future, um, whether they're with, you know, our team or, or a different team. So, um, I really, really do want to try to figure out how to, um, how to keep, you know, uh, involvement with, with Colt. And I think, uh, that's my main, main goal for him is to, you know, hopefully get him to a spot where, he's valuable to either us or to other teams, uh, you know, um, and, um, yeah, so still kind of a work in progress and, and definitely nothing concrete and always thinking about something. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it. I like, I like hearing that, that you're still trying to help him out. That's, that's a pretty cool thing about our industry sometimes. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Lars Lindstrom tonight brought to you by guts racing. Hey Lars, we had a listener question. They, they wanted to know more of why we're not seeing Hymas for the rest of the season. Can you can you say that again? One of our listeners wanted to know more about Hymas, and then what would it take to see him more this season, or why we're not seeing him more the rest of the Supercross season? Yeah, no <clears throat> chances. Um, the the original plan was always to come into motocross um, as a pro, as, as you know, rookie season pro, and um, and start off in a series that um, we felt like could get him the the experience that he needed to be a top guy. And the whole process for him, just kind of like it has been for Chase and for, for Jet now, has been to um, ease in slowly because we all know that they should have a long career. And we just don't want to start them off too early into something that, um, you know, could be a detriment in the future. And um, so anyways, the whole reason, the whole, yeah, I mean, I guess the reason why he even got to ride any of the, you know, proper supercrosses was because they were pushing pretty hard. And not only that, but he was riding really well. So it made sense for him to ride 
some some real supercrosses instead of riding futures again um and to not do the you know he didn't race minios and even though he was you know still technically an amateur um so we you know we decided okay let's do let's do the first four originally it was supposed to be the first three um supercrosses and miss the first east coast round um but then we decided what the heck we'll put him in um he got his feet wet there um and we got you know what we think we we wanted which was experience and now he kind of knows where he's at and all those things so now the the main goal is motocross and if we would have you know continued on a supercross um we would we just felt like we were going to miss out on time to really get him you know prepared for a really strong outdoor season um so anyways um now he's got plenty of time to to focus on that and he can get some of our testing um you know started to on the 250 for for outdoors and we just felt that that was the best direction hey lars as a media person we go to the press conferences and we try to get interviews post-race and i know you you try to keep your riders you know protected as much as you can what do you feel like would be the best way for feld and the teams and us as media to all get what we're looking for (laughs) do you you see a a better uh, system yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think that the system has to be that the press conference and the media scrum should be in the same area, similar to how it is in, in outdoors. Um, I think they they need to figure out a way to to build a press conference area that still looks professional um, in the pits somewhere so that we don't have to go and find a, uh, a press uh, conference room in the stadium. And then, you know, then, then you got media stuck up there and then they got to try to you know go through the 450 uh press conference and then the 250 and then try to make it back and try to you know find some of the other riders um in the pits that are still hanging around which can be tough and then maybe you get stuck at one truck and then you miss the other 10 trucks that you wanted to go to Mm -hmm. um so yeah it, it should be a press conference in the in the pits um obviously that doesn't happen overnight and i think that fell does a great job with uh with all of this and taking everybody's you know feedback and and ideas um and um i really think that they're doing a, a fantastic job and so maybe next year they could roll something out where they have the press conference and then they have the media scrum right outside and it all kind of works in one big happy family and i think that the media would get way more out of it and the riders would be totally happy because they don't have to go you know, very far to go to any kind of, you know, media center or anything like that. It's, it's all, you know, within the middle of the pit somewhere, you know, something like that. So I think that's the answer to get what everyone wants. Yeah. So I hate to jump back around, but Scotty brought up a point talking about like young riders or whatever. And I've heard multiple times people rumoring that Honda may not keep a 250 deal. And I was curious oh, about the that. team deal. Okay, the team, yeah, the, the 250 as the factory team and not a satellite team like it used to be. Has that been in talks? And um, or do you know like any future for the factory 250 team? Um, yeah, I mean that's something that gets discussed um, periodically. And I mean internally, I think that we are pretty happy having a 250 team, a, a works 250. Um, it helps us for future 450 riders also. Um, it, it, you know, definitely helps us like we talked about earlier with, with sales on the 250. Um, it, it's not cheap to have a, a 250, um, 
development team, you know, and everything like that. It's, it's a lot more than a 450, to be honest. But um, it just, you know, you, you're never satisfied with a 250, right? You, you always want more power. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so that, that is, uh, is pretty difficult. But we, we have a really awesome group of guys at the shop that, um, that are always thinking about how to be better. Um, we have, um, you know, we've made a, a lot of, um, of things happen that, that have, you know, trickled on to everybody else's bike. Everybody has an electric water pump now that came from us, you know, and that's kind of an impossible thing to hide. So it, it trickles out. But at the end of 21, the, you know, the 250 team was able to figure that out and they had it on jet spike for the last handful and, uh, hunters, uh, handful of races. And it kind of gave us a bit of an edge. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but the last couple nationals, you know, Jet started hole shotting and there was, it was things like that. I mean, there was more, but, um, so, um, doing all of that in-house really has pushed our bike to another level. And, uh, and I think that, you know, right now we had such a good partner with factor connection. Um, and they, they, they did it right. And, um, they won a lot of championships for us. And until we get something like that again, I don't think we're going, it's going to be going anywhere. Yeah, that's cool. Um, just one more quick thing to round this thing out. Uh, with MXGP starting this weekend, how much do you talk to the HR, HRC guys from that series? Like, do you talk to Marcus and those guys quite regularly or? Yeah. Um, I have a, uh, well, we, and, and I personally have a really good relationship with, with the MXGP team, which is, something that I really, really, um, enjoy. And I, I don't think we used to do it enough. Um, but the whole HRC program right now is pretty cool because, um, we deal with, uh, with Japan and MXGP, uh, weekly. And so, you know, we, we know what they're testing and they know what we're testing and we share notes and all these things. So I think that is helping us develop at a faster rate. Right. And, and then also, um, just on a, you know, on a fun level, it's cool. I, you know, I went to the GP, uh, in Sweden, which, um, was, you know, kind of special for me because I got to go with my brother who lives there. We got to go, um, check out the Udavala race. And then, um, uh, you know, being friends with some of the guys on, on the team, um, you know, I get to go in, in the truck and really see how the way, the way that they're doing it. Their, uh, their HRC liaison, um, is, uh, was, was our liaison Naoki, and um, so uh, not having seen him in a little bit is kind of cool. And then uh, Giacomo Garibaldi has has been really really good to us, and and always uh, helps us when we need something. You know, if we go to donations or we went to Geno uh, uh, Geneva with Brayton a couple years ago, we you know we go to their shop and and uh, work together. Um, and uh, Roger Shenton, um, he's awesome over there, and and all the guys, you know. Um, I've, I've really, we've really been working together really well for quite a bit now because, you know, Tim came over and did some, um, some of the monster cups and things like that. And I feel, I feel like that's when we really started developing a better relationship. And, uh, yeah, we discussed quite a bit with them and try to learn. Um, and, uh, and then obviously, you know, Marcus and Roger Harvey and all those guys. But, um, uh, I, I, I really like that we have such a good relationship with them. Um, and, it, it's just exciting for me and uh, you know it, it's nice being able to have such a good partner lars thanks for jumping on here tonight appreciate you uh responding and coming on and uh it was good talking to you yeah thanks guys appreciate it all right we'll see you this weekend and you have a good night uh you too all see right, ya. See ya.
It's Lars Lindstrom, team manager for Factory HRC Honda. Uh, Lewis, always back to the GPs, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I feel the GP questions are coming in clutch tonight. I feel like yeah. both GP questions had really good answers. Can't can't argue with that. Good stuff. Good stuff. We got privateer Josh Cartwright coming up here in a few minutes. Um, you want to stay on with us, Lewis? Yeah, I'll stay on. Okay. I, I, I'm a minute for the long haul. I'm okay. not a quitter. What what did y'all what did y'all think about him? In a way, I felt like kind of confirming that they want to keep the 250 in house. I, I was kind of surprised by that. It's not going to ha- if it if it changes. It's not going to be a 2024 thing. So technically, right. he is correct. It, like yeah. they aren't changing short term. Right. Um, but I, I guess I was just really surprised by that because I thought it was going to be a little. I didn't think it'd keep it this long. I thought that you know what I mean. Is it just because of Jet? and um hunter or do you think it's like when they move them to 450s and they get rid of it kind of a deal hymus hymus is on that treadmill as well yeah. hymus will be the lot i believe hymus will be the final um in-house hrc guy as far as 250s go yeah um but yeah where i mean things can change maybe uh, they have a plan maybe they don't like what they see in 45 in foot and um in a year or so, yeah. and they back out of it, and they keep it in-house. Right. TJ, your son, Doc, races professionally. Scotty, you used to race before you blew your bike up. So when you're working <laughs> on your bikes, you need parts. Procs can help you out. Rooted in racing from motocross to off-road, supporting teams like Pro Circuit Kawasaki, my team, Ampro Yamaha, and SLR Honda, Procs has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. From complex jobs like an engine rebuild, Scotty, to simple maintenance like filters, chains, and sprockets, TJ, Prox aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability, TJ. I think my son is just a professional practicer. Find Prox at your local dealer or online retailer. Visit prox-usa.com to search for parts for your bike and follow Prox Racing Parts on social media to stay up to date with their latest products for 2023. Let's get back to some general topics before we get Josh on. What do you think about Ken's ride there, Scotty? Um, second in his heat, I believe, and qualified second, and then seventh overall. Again, like looks really good in his heats, and then just doesn't show what I feel like he could show in the main. Still struggling a little bit. Yeah, well, with all the action going on between Tomac and uh, Webb, and then Section and Barsha, I honestly didn't really even notice him. Like I was, well, he wasn't. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't I, super noticeable. Yeah, it wasn't really. You know. Once again, I'll just go back to like, how can we really can't be that surprised? You know, like he looked really good on the bike, Lewis. We were there, so we could see it a little bit more. He looks good, but he's struggling. Like, just whoops are weak and just little areas in the sand. He was getting murdered in the sand. Yeah, but uh, well, to your point, I'm not being funny. Roxon looked really good on the Stark as well. Like it's Roxon, so I feel like that isn't a fair a fair test because I feel like Roxon will look good on anything, no matter whether he's on top form or he's struggling. Sure. Um, I, I think this is just what we're going to get for Roxon. Even if Roxon was at his best with that team and that bike, would he be in that top three mix? Probably not. Is yeah. that harsh? I, I think I agree with you. I didn't want to agree with you going into the season, but I'm starting to. So, yeah, it's like obviously seventh is a little lower than where you would like to see him or where he should be. But even at his best on that team and bike, because maybe it would be different if he was on a full factory team that he agreed with um, or a bike that he agreed, agreed with. 
maybe then he could elevate himself back into that top three because we know how capable he, capable he is. But in this situation, I don't know if you can expect too much more. Um, bigger question, I think, which I'm surprised no one has asked at any point this year, is does Kenny keep going past 2023? Mm. I think that that hasn't been asked because we're all sick to death of what is Kenny going to be doing conversation. We all need time to recover from the offseason and that merry-go-round. But that is a legitimate question. Would he sign up for another year of this with the Suzuki? Um, would Firepower Honda be an option, maybe? Because we know how much he enjoyed that in the offseason. Could that maybe be something that develops? Or are we currently seeing Roxon's final AMA Supercross season? Which is a massive deal, if so. But I feel like we have no hint one way or the other. I think if I was a betting person, I would pick him leaving Suzuki and either calling it retiring or, or doing something with your even if it's maybe supercross and world supercross. But yeah, I don't see him back at help. Did you have a thought there TJ? Cause you were shaking your head. Well, I just don't understand. And I mean, I don't understand what he's missing from the bike. That bike. I know it's, it's older, but they, it can, they can make good power with that bike, you know, obviously. So it's not that the, bike hasn't changed that much from what you was a winning bike and the new bike yeah, it was a winning bike things have advanced so but, much but I'm saying, that's what i'm saying like what's advanced like what what has changed in the world of motorcycles yeah, and but, this, this is somebody who builds motorcycles i've been a mechanic my whole life what's really changed and he has he has car blanche they're saying whatever you want you can have maybe either him having too many choices is putting him in a hole where a factory team would be like no this is where you're going and it keeps the bike on track focused or, or focused or maybe this is just the best Kenny could be with anybody I um I think you're you're going too hard on the bike there because I don't think it I, when people say the bike I don't think it is just the bike they're talking about they're talking about a combination of the bike and a team that yeah. has never been in this position never dealt with a rider as demanding as Kenny never dealt with the demands that come with having a rider that um of that caliber who goes so fast that the bike does things that they've never seen before and they're like oh, okay now we need to figure this out yeah. so I think that's where it's a moving target a little bit and yeah people say the bike generally but they it's a much bigger picture than the actual bike itself yeah because i definitely i i just i genuinely believe and maybe i'm wrong and maybe if he gets on a different team or something changes i i just think this is the best that kenny can be right now so do we do we think that if tomac webb or section is on that bike that they're in the same points position that they're in right now Hmm. Yes. Mm. <laughs> oh, in the same position they're in now. Not. I don't think Eli is leading the points on the Suzuki, but I also don't think Eli is as far back as Kenny has been on the Suzuki. That's fair. I think. I think Kenny. But TJ's saying mentally that is a little. It's just been off for a few years. TJ's saying that it's at this point that anybody could be. It's Kenny that anybody could be in the championship on the Suzuki, which I don't think is the case. Is that what you're saying, TJ? Yes, and maybe I'm just a Suzuki <laughs> fanboy. But, but I'm just saying, I genuinely believe that that bike is is capable enough of winning. I mean, everybody who's ridden it, yeah, it's good, it's good. I just, I personally think Kenny having car blanche and choice on everything, you know what I mean? Where he And he doesn't have the chip on his shoulder where the team's not helping me and I guess got to prove them wrong kind of a deal. I genuinely believe he's just... 
tested himself into a hole, if that makes sense. He's uh, eating too much carbs for lunch? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our next guest is going to be brought to you by Luxon. And I got to apologize to Luxon because I missed their read last week. But when it comes to triple clamps, suspension, and chassis parts, there's no comparison. Luxon MX makes the best parts you can buy. Luxon's advanced engineering background and techniques allow them to develop products that are unlike the rest. They're lighter and stronger with optimized stiffness to enhance your riding comfort and precision. Luxon products are designed, engineered, and made in the USA. So check them out online at luxonmx.com. All orders of $100 or more ship free within the continental U.S. And you can save 10% on all their products with the promo code MOTOXPOD. Tonight, Luxon brings us from Psychic Motorsports, privateer Josh Cartwright. What's up, Josh? Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going Thanks good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Good to have you. Uh, dude, good ride this weekend. You almost didn't make it in. And I'd be, I'd be honest, <laughs> I, I talked to Kevin Moran's post-race. He was leaving. He and I are buddies. And I told him, dude, I was torn because, you know, I'm buddies with Moran's, but I had Josh in fantasy. I didn't know what to do. So, but man, <laughs> you got it in the main, man. Good job. Yeah, it was a, definitely a stressful uh Oh man, you're breaking up. Um, yeah, you break. Are you on? Are you on Wi-Fi? I am. I can try. Uh, I'm on that Wi-Fi. I'm. I can try the uh, the cellular. My dad yeah. said the cellular was. Pretty yeah. Good. Let me let me call you back. Uh, just a second. We'll call you back on cell. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Just talk. Uh, <laughs> how about how about uh, Scotty James, DB, and Ricky in the studio? What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, anytime you get James in there, it's cool. I I think it's fun, especially in being in Florida. You know, he knows what he's talking about, and it, I I think it just provides a whole new experience for the fans. And I I like having, I, I like it. Lewis, uh, watching back, what do you think of James? Three guys in the studio or in the booth kind of is a little overboard for me for the for as long as they were in there. But everybody loves James. Uh, yeah, Ricky and James can do whatever, and I'll be a fan. Okay, they can talk about anything. Whatever they want, uh, yeah. I, I, I honestly, how can that go wrong? If you yeah. put those two in a room, how can it possibly go wrong? I'm not against um, it. I just, I guess, I just like having two guys in the booth most of the time. But yeah, with James, it's hard to say no. Speaking of things going wrong, I really felt like that Lars interview needed more sex and talk. There was really no <laughs> sex and talk. Well, like, tell me I'm wrong. There wasn't any sex and talk. We talked at the beginning. Yeah, it was. It, it was minimal. But we got Josh back on the line. Let's uh, let's see if we got him. Josh, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, better? we can hear you. Yep, that sounds sounds a lot better. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that LCQ and then your ride at Daytona. Yeah, so my starts were bad all weekend. Like on that on the dirt, it was really slick. So I was just coming back and I got like tenth place start in the LCQ. And when I got to fifth place. I saw, I was just praying, like everyone in that fifth place spot is just praying, like something happened to those top guys, something happened. Of course, you don't want anything bad happening, like Kevin's crash was pretty bad, but glad he's okay, but definitely got a uh, lucky lucky shot there and was able to get in, and then Max Miller was sending it on the last little bit to try to catch me. Yeah, well, it, making a main for a guy like yourself, like how important is that to getting to the next race? Oh, unbelievable. It's way, it just getting to the next race. You got to get, you got to get into that main event. You got to get through the LCQ without any skids or without any people crashing, without anyone hitting you or anything. 
Yeah, you know, you've been making Mans fairly consistent this year, and I just wanted to know if that has exceeded your expectations so far, and has that presented any new opportunities that you maybe necessarily didn't expect at the beginning of the year? Yeah, um, I, it kind of exceeded my expectations a little bit. Um, I knew my my speed has always been there for the past couple of years. Uh, I've just had some injuries that put me out of the season and stuff like that. And then last year, I definitely showed the speed, but it was pretty inconsistent. Um, but this year, I think just having fun uh, on my own program uh, with the Psychic Motorsports, uh, T3 Civil, and Ronnie Prado Company, and um, uh, and then Mad Parts Kawasaki, Bubba Pauly has been helping me out. It's just been a low-key, just have fun weekend every weekend. So I think that's really helped out with just with the results. And then, yeah, it's it's opened up a lot of doors. Like a lot of people have came up and just said like they were super surprised, like, uh, get to do some cool interviews, especially like like with you and everything. So pumped on that, and get some extra sponsors to help out through the season because I am on my own program, so I'm on my own dime. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I was I was looking at your results, and they're almost identical to the 450 classes you were the last season in the 250 class. So that's that's awesome to see, man. It's been really cool to see you uh, have that uh, that success. But Daytona was your best 450 finish ever, right? It was, yeah, yeah, best 450 finish at Daytona. Yeah. I was actually really happy with the 450 race. Yeah, looking good, man. Uh, it's it's really impressive when a guy like yourself, and you work a, a full-time job, right? Uh, you do IT work, and you took the college route, if I'm not mistaken. So a different, like, it's it's not easy for any privateer, but you took a little bit of a different route. Yeah, I uh, was known as the college kid throughout my <laughs> whole career. Um, that was definitely a struggle just to kind of be able to have a good, schedule um it was always up and down like sometimes i'd be having studying for a test and it'd be all over the place but now i do work a full-time job for ut system uh university of texas uh schools we take care of their data and i luckily am pretty much like 90 percent remote i go into the office only one day a week on wednesdays or whatever day i need to go in and then the rest of the days i just take my computer with me and i can work whatever um but yeah definitely a different definitely a different path to the pros because I always knew that this was going to be, uh, this was going to happen. I think, or I hope it was going to happen that my speed progressed every year slowly because I was never a training facility kid. Um, I was a weekend warrior throughout my whole amateur career. And then I finally started going to uh, uh, training facilities once I got to pros and once I got to my A class. So I knew just be patient, Josh, just let the speed come, let the results come. And every year I've gotten a little better and a little better. And I'm just going to keep going until I can <laughs> Right on. So you talk about your schedule when you are um, like working one day a week in in the office. And then so how does that work throughout the week? Are you able to like do your IT stuff at night while you train during the day? And are obviously, I guess you're flying to the races and having some having the team take your bikes and stuff. Yeah, so Mad Parts, uh, Mad Parts Kawasaki takes the bikes to the races and everything. And then, yeah, during the week, like on off season. I'm able to train during the day. Um, I just take my computer with me uh, to the track uh, just in case they need me. Or like, let's say they have a random call or I have, I have meetings each week at the same time. So I know what time my meetings are going to be at so I can schedule it around that. Um, but like I bring it and let's say they're like, hey, we need you to do this real quick. I can do it right there on the spot. I've worked at the track before. I've also worked like last weekend at Daytona, like I was working pretty much the whole Friday while my mechanic miles was working on the bike. Um, just kind of just working it in where I can. And then 
but there are some days where because it sucks to say because work does come first yeah so uh so if there are some days let's say it's going to be a busy day i can't go ride yeah so i guess the whole the whole new work from home covid stuff actually benefited you greatly (laughs) yeah hugely yeah (laughs) because right when i started the job they were i had to go into the so last year when i was racing it was three days a week and then come 2022, it went to two days a week. And then in this summer, they went to one day a week. So, and they are actually starting to think about going full remote. And I am praying for that. Yeah. <laughs> that way, I can <laughs> like I can finally just like chill. Don't have to worry about going into work. I can go to like MTF or any of those places to actually go train for a little bit and just take my computer. But yeah, they. I'm hoping that happens. But yeah, they're losing some people like to other companies because they're offering full remote. So is, does that mean you're in DFW area, right? Yep, I live in yeah. Fort Worth. That's what I thought. Josh, it's brought to you tonight by Luxon. Don't forget to check out luxonmx.com. Uh, Josh, one of the questions I want to talk to you about, or one of the topics I want to talk to you about, is one of your sponsors, uh, Echo Builds. He was the guy, Stetson was at Daytona. We're going to get him on here in just a second to kind of talk about what he's doing because he's trying to help out multiple privateers and has a setup in some of the different events to people to go check out. But talk about how Stetson and Echo Builds came on board with you and what they're doing for you. Yeah, so he hit me up. Um, I'm doing like a cool little sponsorship. Uh, sorry if there's pit bikes in the background. I'm at Freestone Nationals for today. Yeah, um, I'll see you in the morning. Um, I'll be there tomorrow. Nice. Yeah, so you can come by. I'll be at FMF pretty much the whole time. I leave it around noon uh, to go to the fly out. But yeah, so uh, Stetson, he hit me up because I'm doing the sponsorship deals where I do a helmet paint for, some, for the sponsor their logo and everything full paint job and then they get to keep the helmet so he hit me up and told me his um this company with echo builds with all the accommodations they're going to hook me up with with this weekend and i was an awesome match like he's a super cool guy uh they have a cool little program where if you help sell what they sell you get a little percentage back and a lot he wants like a lot of privateers to kind of hook up with that and help make money he wants to bring money to the sport he wants to bring money to the privateers and help us get to the races and it's really awesome yeah that's one of the reasons i want to get him on because he sounded like a cool dude i got a chance to meet him and he does want to give back to the sport so let's introduce uh on the line with us uh stetson is it shable is that how you say your name Shyble. Glad to be on, guys. Yeah, Stetson, so it was really cool meeting you this weekend, and I always dig when we get these non-endemic sponsors coming in and trying to help out, especially privateers. So, yeah, I just wanted you to quickly talk about um, why why you want to be involved with the sport, why you want to help out our privateers like Josh, and what your plans are and what you're doing. Yeah, cool. So a little bit of personal background. You know, I grew up riding and racing just like all of us fans, right? I've been going to Supercross since I was three years old, back when it was at Bank One Ballpark instead of at the, the big stadium in Phoenix and uh, was racing some off-road stuff, some GP stuff. Uh, got hurt real bad when I was 16 um, and, you know, kind of had pro dreams in the off-road world and works and all that. And then uh, didn't work out, broke my neck real bad and then uh, had a brain injury and, and you know, so was away from the sport for a little while, but then realized, you know, that this sport is what brings a lot of people together, brings my family together um, and all that. So I, I really kind of wanted to be able to help guys like Josh, like A-Ray, you know, these guys that are that are warriors, you know, because to tie it into the brand. So this started, Solutions started as uh, a local company here in North Alabama. Um, just a couple guys who wanted to change the world uh, as far as housing goes and how we use things. And uh, 
you know, they just decided to use containers because there's, there's an abundance of these things and they, they need to be used for something. And there's a great storyline that goes along with that. And, and this company has been built on guys just grinding it out and doing what's best. And, you know, that's, that's why I, I kind of reached out to Josh because I'm like, you know, this passion project started with guys doing it on the side and Josh working and doing college and, and, and racing and doing it at the level that he's doing with all of it is, is just perfect for what we do. You know, I like to joke to him that, that I want him to be our poster child because he's just, he fits our brand so perfect. We, you know, we're all about hard work and putting out the best possible product, which is what, what he does, you know, on both sides of what he's doing. So, yeah, you know, we want to be in the sport. We want to help privateers. We want to help the working man, you know, because that's what we're all about. We're about canceling the housing crisis in America. Stop trying to sell $300,000 houses to essentially teenagers, right, um, in a lot of cases, and, and bring affordable housing. Um, to, to all places in America that need it, which is basically everywhere, you know, as well as some really cool stuff for recreational usage, um, for commercial and retail usage, data centers, labs, that kind of stuff. Because you can, you can essentially build containers into anything. Yeah, you had a setup at Daytona this week. And what other rounds will you be at? You mentioned a couple others, I believe. Yeah, so this weekend we'll be in Indy. We're doing a new product launch alongside with Josh. Um, it's our, our gateway line which is a park model RV. It's essentially a camper, right? Um, park models are typically, you know, staying in one place for a long time, but it's totally, I'm hooking it up to a trailer tomorrow morning and driving it up to Indy. Josh will be staying in it in the pit. Uh, it's a 20 foot container and uh, on the inside feels like a home. So we, we may have it at another round. We're working with Alex Ray as well. We have a helmet deal with him this year, um, likely for Denver. And then we may have the we're hopefully going to have the container in uh, in Atlanta for him to stay in, you know, with the logistics and all of getting that figured out. But but yeah, we're also working with uh, um, Johnny Lewis and the Moto Moto Anatomy Group. They're a flat track group. Uh, they're doing some moto training now as well. Sipes is starting to get involved with them. Um, we're going to start working with them on a, a partnership for these these gateway models because they're really easy to take places and hook up. They don't require any permitting. So we're working on uh, some partnerships for housing at Johnny Lewis's place out in Center Hill, Florida, right by Baker's place um, for his winter training programs. Guys can kind of like Club MX. He has like a mini Club MX. Mm-hmm. You know, guys can come out there and they can have housing. They can have a little shop space. And then they have their nutrition and everything handled right there on Johnny's property. Yeah, that's really that's cool. And I love that you're involving these privateers. And as Josh mentioned, they can get kind of a little kickback if they help sell some of these, I think. Kind of talk about that and how you're trying to help actually help put some money in these guys' pockets. Yeah, so it's our affiliate sales program. And what it is is that, you know, you could come on as a full-blown salesman and, and work for us in that role. But really what's perfect for, for a guy like Josh is being able to get together content from me, you know, with inside the manufacturing plant where these are built. Um, or out at our job sites at our neighborhoods that we're built, we build entire neighborhoods out of these things and, uh, getting, getting all that content together, putting it out through their social channels or their networks of their sponsors and their family and just saying, Hey, here's a really cool product that I believe in. I've gotten to feel it and touch it because it's been at Supercross. You guys should check it out. And when they sell one, they get a percentage of that. Um, and they're not, they're not really having to do any work. It's just utilizing their connections and, and helping put a little money in their pocket either in the off season or if they got hurt um, or, or whatever, you know, that I love that man. Again, a non endemic 
sponsor we talk about all the time, like how, how difficult it seems to be to get non-endemic sponsors and you're coming in and doing it in a way where you're trying to help the riders out. Uh, that means a lot to me as a lot of these guys, you know, are friends of mine and they're important to the sport. So uh, very cool. Let everybody know where they can check out what you've got going on, your social media, your website, et cetera. Sure. So uh, on Instagram, you can go to eco underscore build. That's eco, E-K-O underscore build on Instagram. You can also go to ecosolutionsllc.com and there's contact forms uh, on there to get more information. Uh, eco builds is kind of the page we use just to kind of show a day in the life at eco feature our employees, you know, some funny stuff now and then how we build containers, where we put them, stuff like that. Just kind of the, just kind of portraying the brand. Uh, if you want to see more nuts and bolts of what layouts we have, what types of products we offer, the website ecosolutionsllc.com is the best place. Fantastic. Seth, dude, I, I appreciate you stopping me and talking to me at Daytona and really good. Just again, I, anybody that helps out our, our privateers, is important to us. So I appreciate jumping on here for a few minutes and talking about the business. Yeah. So you guys, anybody who's at Indy, go ahead and stop by the containers. There'll be a QR code that you can scan to get on the email list or jump on our Instagram. Um, and let me know if we can talk. Uh, we're going to be doing some Jersey giveaways with some riders. Um, you know, just like some Instagram giveaways and email list sign up giveaway type thing. So be watching on uh, Josh's Instagram, a Ray's Instagram uh, and the eco builds Instagram for some Jersey giveaways. Awesome. Stetson, man, thanks for jumping on here for a few minutes. Really appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Have a great night. Okay, you too. See ya. Josh, yeah, really cool, man. I mean, I think every little bit helps for guys like you, and just having somebody that's wanting to help support you has to mean quite a bit to you. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Like, he's been really good to me, and, like, I was able to actually meet him in person at Daytona. Super nice guy. And just, it's it's crazy. I've met so many people, like, that that want to help in this sport, especially the privateers, because... As you know, this sport is expensive to do, especially for the privateers when you just need money to get to the races for entry fees, flights, hotels, parts. Like, I'm even, even my budget, I even, the budget I did for the year, I'm a little bit over. I'm like, wow, this is more than I thought it was going to be. So, having someone like him just being able to help and support the cause is awesome. Yeah. Hey, so switching gears, your sponsor, Psychic Motorsports. Are they psychic? Do they, do they tell you how you're going to finish? I mean, what, what, how does this work? Yeah, so like each weekend we kind of get together and we do, they tell me what I need to do because they see the race already because they're psychic. <laughs> but no, they're like a distributor um, of parts. They have their own parts. Uh, you can go to their website, Psychic Motorsports. And I think they deal with a lot through dealerships, but I think they're starting. They're just trying to get into the sport. They're okay. kind of a new company. They're a sister company with Namura. Um, and they're just trying to get into the sport. So I'm kind of their little poster child to <laughs> get their name out there. Right on. All right. This is, this is kind of random, but. Oh boy. Go figure. Well, comparatively to what we've been talking about, but does it any, How old are you? does yeah. it? How old are you? <laughs> nope. Inside joke. Inside <laughs> yeah. joke. Sorry. <laughs> What's funny is I was going to ask how old Lewis was earlier, but I was like, nope. Gotta, gotta. Yeah. 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 Anyways, on. does it any way, does it feel like after you, uh, you make a main through the LCQ, that on that the night in any way is kind of over and is there another format that you would like to see for instance maybe like a b main or something well oh like if you don't make it through the lcq you say or, yeah. or just like okay so like if you make it into the main like you have what 
20, 30 minutes before you're back on the line. Like you can't really recover. You had to do everything you could to get into the main. And now you're there and it's kind of like, okay, well, it's going to be fun for our first couple of laps. And then I'm just going to try to not mess up the leader's race. And it's like, does, does there, is there a better format that you could think of? Um, no, I think, uh, I think it just shows, I like how it is. And this right now is pretty good. Um, the, it kind of shows who's in shape because kind of like at Daytona, I went through the LCQ and then I had my best race right after it. And the LCQ going through the LCQ has an advantage. Obviously it sucks because you only have like 20, 30 minutes to recover, but you get to know what the track is like. You rode it pretty much the last time other than the 250 main event. And you see what's going to happen. You see how it's going to break down and stuff like that. So I kind of like that. Obviously the triple crown is nice because if you make it in through the practice, or LCQ because you don't have to worry about that. You go into the night show, just relax. But it would be kind of cool to see like a B main or something like that. Like of the guys, maybe like a five minute sprint or a 10 minute sprint for the, for the guys who didn't make the LCQ and put like a big purse up for them. And you know, those LCQ guys, they will <laughs> go for it and take each other out. Oh yeah. Are, are you going to, is he going to be able to be in that race in Colorado? Steve's race. Yeah. Not if he keeps making challenge. the Yeah, mains. it just depends on where he <laughs> ends up in points. I don't know where he is. Yeah, where are you in points right now? Um, I don't know where I'm in on that. Like after like the first first round, I was like second, but um, I, I think I talked to uh, I talked to Mathis and I was like, yo, like I'm a full privateer, and he's like, yeah, we'll try to work you in as a wild card. Probably, hopefully, he'll get me in for that because he he loves helping out the privateers yep. as the with the whole Yamaha thing. It's pretty cool how he does that for everyone. So. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get into that because it's big money. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it is. Chiz kind of took stole it all last yeah. year. So yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no more Chiz, no more like. like no, even he's gonna he bring like, in Marty. Right, he was privateer. That dude, he's a factory rider in my eyes. Right, like, right. Well, Josh, hey, thanks for jumping on here for, for, with us for a little bit. Congrats on uh, another main. What, what are you looking at? There's no. I was oh, just going to also thank him for oh. like basically oh, no. saving my my um, yeah. my fantasy, fantasy team. team. He helped my I, fantasy team. He didn't save it because <laughs> I had Vial and Talon Hawkins. And, I had a terrible, but yeah. I, but the, the shining light was Josh yeah, on my exactly. team this week. But anyway, awesome. thanks. For, I'm glad. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, man. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in the morning. Yeah, man, yeah, definitely stop by. Thank you for having me on. I'm pumped for it. All right, Josh. Take care. We'll see you uh, again. See you tomorrow. See you in Indy. All right, y'all. Good All right, one. Tip. All right, thanks, Josh Cartwright, for jumping on, and Stetson from Echo Builds. Let's get back to some show. Lewis, you still there with us? Yes, hello. hello. All right, all right. a few more things before we wrap this show up. I also uh, I want to thank Motul, which was founded in 1853. When you clean your bikes, shine and go. Smells good, looks good. Give your ride. Give your ride at Shine Back. The Motul AE10 Shine and Go Spray is our go-to detailer for all of our bikes. Motul E10 Shine and Go spray cleans and restores plastic to like new condition while leaving a protective film that repels dirt and grime. It smells like citrus, which is almost as cool as your garage smelling like race gas. You can find this in the entire Motul Power Sports uh, product lineup at shopmotul.com, shopmotul.com, and enter code VITAL20 to save 20%. Uh, 250s from Daytona, Scotty. Hunter wins again. He's kind of extending that points gap. But what was very impressive to me, and I think Lewis will enjoy this, is how consistent Max Ansi has been. Mm-hmm. He's right there. He's learning every week. He's getting better, becoming a threat. Um, very, very impressed with his riding this year. And I just think bigger and better things are coming his way. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, at this point, it's going to be hard for somebody to come and take him, at least out of the podium for the championship. I mean, it'd be really something that to really happen, especially with the bad luck that Thrasher and, you know. It's uh, not always bad luck. Sometimes Hunter just well, puts you on the ground. Hey, man, that was racing. But anyways. <laughs> no, it, was. It's, yeah. well, it was, but. Yeah, it was racing. It was, but it was on purpose. Um, but anyways, with you know, these, you just see these guys like Moseman and those guys just keep having struggles, and you know, and Anstey's just there to take advantage of it, and he's been very consistent. And I, I've always, you know, Anstey's about my age, so I've always watched him from the sidelines because I'm not as that fast. So I've always Are you enjoyed, not? I've always enjoyed watching him ride, and it's cool to see him kind of have this little uh, this moment of rejuvenation in his career. And I, yeah, like I said, I don't think I don't see him really losing the second position in, in the points. I mean, something dr- really drastic would have to happen, I think. Lewis, uh, thoughts on your guy, Max? Uh, we Obviously, his interviews, his questions are very good, detailed answers, so we kind of know how he's feeling and what he's been going through this season. But are you surprised at all? Uh, I don't know. We Obviously, we talked a lot before the first rounds. Um, we definitely discussed... I, I said to him, if you, I said to him, if you don't get one podium then that's a bust. Like I was like, there's gonna, like you can definitely get one podium at least. Um, So for him to have what, three out of four podiums, that's definitely um, above expectations and above what he expected as well. I think he didn't, he didn't really have expectations coming into the season, but certainly there was, I don't think um, he foresaw it going this well. I mean, he did do well in world supercross and that was kind of when I started thinking, huh, maybe there is something here because obviously he gave McElrath one hell of a run and we know how good McElrath is on a Yamaha 250. So Mm -hmm. um, that was maybe a precursor to um, what we're seeing currently. But now I just hope he gets a win this year because I think that'll be an amazing story if he can pull that off. And truthfully, um, he could have won Daytona. Going back to what we were talking about at the top of the show, Hunter skimmed the whoops all race and um, uh, Max jumped them for the most part. So he was losing eight to nine tenths a lap there by jumping. And he was only three seconds down at the end. So you do that math. I think um, <laughs> I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people maybe didn't realize how, how would you word this? It looks like Hunter had the race completely under control, which he did. But Max was always right there. Yes. Yes, I agree. That would be the best way of phrasing it. Like, it wasn't a Hunter runaway. Max was there nipping at his heels. And if there was a bobble, Max would have been right there. Yep. Do, do you think that Max having such good success in the 250, racing uh, half of the class, basically, because the coasts are split, you think that opens the door for other 450 guys to be like, hey, if I move down, I could have really good results? No, because Max was su- because of Max going to GPs and then being injured a few times. Like he was such a rare case for him to be able to drop down um, to two fifties. Well, I mean, the there new aren't rules. really the new rules. No, because it doesn't. The new rules don't. The new rules don't backtrack to oh, riders yeah. who previously pointed out. Fair enough. So the new rules basically start from this day on. It doesn't affect anything that happened in the past. Um, but yeah, the well. Fun fact, fun little story. Um, the reason Max got hired to that team was all because of Marty, because Marty raced Max in his final year and was apparently he was riding around thinking, oh, this Max Anstey is quite, actually quite a good rider in Supercross. <laughs> so then he did some digging and was like, oh, holy fuck, like he is actually eligible for 250s. Like it's not even work. So Marty kind of vouched for him with Uribe and said, like, look, I raced this guy. I saw what he does on Supercross up close. He can really, 
like he can really, really do well in two fifties. Yeah. And turns out that Marty was actually um bang on the money. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> All right, let's get to I told you guys, well maybe I don't think I told either one of you two, so we'll go to Lewis first. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he's not going to tell us and then well, bag on us for not knowing we're what the we're talking the, uh, about. FXR biggest surprise from Daytona. TJ's out. He doesn't have one. Biggest surprise <laughs> is he didn't watch Daytona. That, that's a surprising. FXR is designed by racers for racers. With industry-leading fit, finish, and performance, progression is the name of the game. With every new piece created, at FXR, we push our brand to the next level to provide you with the best product possible. Visit fxrracing.com to see the numerous gear lines and colorways, as well as their snow lines and lifestyle casual wear. And speaking of their lifestyle casual wear, we are going to give away a set, a hat and a shirt again this week, thanks to FXR. Email us, motoxpodshow at gmail.com. Let us know what your biggest surprise or takeaway from Daytona was. It doesn't have to match any of ours, and we'll randomly pick one for a winner. And also, you can use that... Uh, email motoxpodshow at gmail.com to let us know what you think of the show comments questions topics something you want us to talk about criticisms let us know we'll read them on the air but uh lewis what was your biggest surprise from daytona well um first of all earlier you told me this was the biggest highlight from daytona you could so, right. well i wrote it, no, I wrote it's fine. I've surprise got a, so we'll I like the rules highlight works <laughs> No, it's fine. I've got um, I've got a surprise as well. Um, obviously, it'd be very easy to go with Hampshire. Um, that'd be a very phone it in answer. So I won't go that direction. Um, I will go for how competitive Barsha was because that what he's been good this year. Definitely better than some people like mm-hmm. the Heater hosting this show. Um, maybe noticed, but. <laughs> Um, for him to come out and run the pace of those top three was um, and have the fastest lap at the race was definitely a difference from the norm that we've seen that this year. So that was a bit of a shock. Good one. Scotty? Now, I didn't realize he had the fastest lap of the race. He was one of my kind of points as well as being a surprise. I think, I think for me it was, it was Sexton being eight seconds back at the end and not, and not in the race at the end. That was my biggest oh, surprise. I'm just going to be quiet for a second, see if Lewis has a retort. I wanted him to be um, there. It's not like I'm like, yeah, Chase wasn't up there. No, I, I know. I would really it's wanted the fact him. And that he wasn't. The fact that he wasn't really surprised me. It's just disappointing, but that sort <laughs> of um, slander is being shared <laughs> on the internet. I've been trying to be so nice. His, to Lewis his result he, wasn't. He hates his wasn't surprising. It was the slander that <laughs> was surprising. TJ, you seem like you have a response, I, I, and I don't know how you could. I actually have a surprise. <laughs> okay. And is it that I didn't no, die? No, my surprise is. Come, my son's qualifying was oh. so terrible. As a kid who has won amateur championships at Daytona, had good like last year's qualifying was much better, and was like fiftieth out of fifty eight in qualifying. I just blown away that it was that bad. I'm not even surprised. I, I saw him oh. in uh, I saw him in Dallas, and I was like, "Hey, dog, what's going? How, how did the practice go? I gotta quit riding like a pussy." <laughs> <laughs> well, my surprise cool. <laughs> was that. Steve Mathis wasn't too far off on his uh, depiction of Daytona for media access, and you're it's a struggle. It's bad. Whoa, yeah, was... like there, you really can't. There is no press box open, like a real press box. Yeah, so you can go in the stands where you can only see a very small part, or you can go in the media room, which is a concrete room, and watch it on TV, where you still can't see what's going on other than the leaders. Yeah, so it's very hard to cover. Thank you to. Triple J from WPS. WPS had a suite or whatever up in 
the infield press area. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. And I was able to go up there and see the whole track. So that helped during the main events. But yeah, not great. Um, heard a lot of complaints about security. I really didn't run into too many issues with that. Uh, they did tell me a couple times, well, you can't go in here at this gate. You got to go to this other gate, which was really far away. And it would have been a lot more convenient. But nothing like where I was just losing my mind. Uh, why, why uh, I would say it's funny that they're that strict. No, you can't be in here. You, you have a press pass. It doesn't matter. But then they let 5,000 fans just storm the track at the end of the race. Like, oh, well, it's yeah. just ironic. But what was funny was, so for the main event, or for the mains, I was going to go in the grandstands, in the infield grandstands, which I hadn't been in all day. So I went to the closest entrance. They said, nope, you got to go to the other entrance, which was inside the pit. You had to go around the pits mm-hmm. and go inside. And at the same time, there was a, a blonde girl standing there with a hard card, and they were telling her the same thing. And she didn't really understand where the the guy was telling her to go. So I said, hey, just you, if you want, I'm going there. It's around in the pit, blah, 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 call me. Yeah. And she gets with the, her friends, and they're like, I can't believe they won't let us in there. That's like my dad's doing TV. And I'm like, oh, who's your dad? She said, Ricky Carmichael. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, so you're Ricky's daughter. So her group of friends followed me to the pits. One of her friends did not have any credentials whatsoever. We get to the pits, and they're like, yeah, you guys can't go in there. And I said, yeah, they're with me. We're going to take them to do to TV. And the guy's like, okay, go ahead. Three more times that happened. Three more security checkpoints to get into the infield. All three times, they're like, I just like that. They're with me. And they said, go ahead. Dude. Who the hell am I? You're, they don't, the, you're so cool, so, man. No, but the point nope. is, their security was so strict with some people, and then with me, all I did was like, yeah, they're with me, even though they don't have credentials, and they let them go. Oh, no, at Daytona, if you act like you're supposed to be there yeah. and you don't care about the guards, like you, like, <laughs> I, it happens, because me and JT, for years going, oh, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? We would, they were like, places where you weren't supposed to go, we'd just walk in there and be like, yeah, we're supposed to be here, leave me alone. It actually kind of works there. Like that one guy that was going around and said, Japan 4. Japan oh, four and he got into. It? Yeah, I think that there, sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, there was a guy I I can't remember who he was, but he he was got he kept trying to see how many times he could get into the you know the pits and stuff just by saying Japan four. Oh, <laughs> he oh. like Japan. He'd point like Japan four. Uh, well, and the guy was like, in, look, and he just keep walking with <laughs> some right credentials, no credentials yeah. for some. So it was a little lax for me. But that now I would take that as my FXR surprise. Uh, last topic: the sixty picks for Indy. The Daytona picks, I went Eli Chase Webb. Scotty got him dead on. He yeah, I was to say, didn't I get him right? He went Eli Webb Sexton and, and Michael and Lindsay. And I didn't want to do that because I was like, there's no way. But then it happened. Yeah. Michael Lindsay went Sexton, Webb, Eli. So, good job, Scotty. First person to get them all right on the show. Y'all laughed at me. Picks for Indy. <laughs> TJ, let's go with you first. <laughs> Who are your picks to win, the get on the podium at Indy first through third? Webb, Sexton, Eli. Uh, Lewis. Did we lose Lewis? He said he was back. He did say he was back, but now he's not there. Now so he's lying uh, to us. Scotty, who are your picks? Wait, what did I'm you back. say? Oh, he's back. He's back. Uh, Lewis, who are your, what are your picks for uh, Indy? Sorry, Zoom is just having an absolute nightmare all of a sudden. Oh. Um, Sexton, Webb, Eli. Scotty? That would, isn't that what you said, too? I'm not telling you what I said. You pick your own. Yeah, what, pick uh, your own. Uh, I'm gonna go. Mm, yeah, I, I'm with uh, I'm with Lewis Sexton Webb Eli, and just bandwagon jumper. 
All right. Well, I think that's the show for the What's most yours? part. Yeah, you, oh, did I not say them out loud? No. Web, Web Eli Sexton is what I have wrote down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not picking Sexton anymore because every time I picked him, he hasn't won. When you don't. And he... I want him to win, so I'm not picking him. Cool. Yep. That's kind of what I did last weekend. Yeah. Within it. Uh, <laughs> but I want to thank our sponsors, our pre- presenting sponsors, Race Tech and Boyson, as well as our other sponsors, Prox, X-Brand, Guts Racing, FXR, 6D, Luxon, Motul, WUSA. Appreciate all the sponsors for making this show happen. I want to thank Lars Lindstrom, Cooper Webb, Josh Cartwright, Stetson from Echo, the three of you. Lewis, before we go, anything else? May have lost Lewis again. TJ, anything? Well, you don't know anything. You haven't watched races. <laughs> Scotty, uh, you'll be uh, back. No, just... Um... Go ahead. I think he's the Lewis, guy. He got, you're, he you're got lagged. Slow or you're cutting yeah, out. So we're gonna, out. We're going to cut. We're done with Lewis for the night. That guy's... <laughs> We're going to call it. That's the, uh, the end of the show. We'll be back after Indy. Looking forward to another great show. We'll get some guests lined up. We're out. <laughs>